And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be chatting about Halo Infinite and the release date for the Xbox Series X, that weird business that's happening with controls, next-gen upgrade, new features are coming to TLU 2, and more. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And special guest, Rebecca Valentine is here. Hi. We made it happen. Hi. So Rebecca is the senior staff writer at gamesindustry.biz. You may have seen her gallivanting around the internet or maybe on one of my favorite news shows, Kind of Funny Games Daily. I know you've made a couple of appearances over there. But Rebecca, you were just recently covering GDC online. Is that correct? That is correct. Nice. So we realized that we didn't actually do really any coverage of what happened with GDC online last week. Um, and I don't know if it's because just like nobody was talking about it or if just not as much interesting stuff was happening. I'm just like trying to figure out like why nobody like GDC online kind of kind of went and went and nobody Came and went. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say, yes. Simon. Yeah. But uh, yeah. did you um, find some interesting stuff happening? I did, and you you basically just hit the nail on the head. Uh, so GDC summer, GDC is normally back in like March or so, and they kind of had a little bit of a GDC digitally back then when they had to postpone it. Um, but it was it was just some talks that kind of would have been there, but then weren't. And then they moved all the rest of the talks plus some others into last week. And the talks are good, and we're a business site. We cover industry news and industry things like that. So the talks are always good for us. GDC is the big event that we cover every year. But normally at GDC, you know, Apple's there and Google's there and Microsoft might be there. And there's there's a bunch of big companies. They're usually making kind of big, like, tech announcements. Like, maybe this year we would have heard some next-gen stuff or something like that. But I think because it ended up just being all online and because it got moved so late and because there's not really any point for Microsoft to do a presentation online for GDC when they can just do one anytime they want on their own channel, um, most of the big names sort of fled. So there were a lot of really good industry talks if that's the thing that you're very interested in but if you were looking for like big news out of gdc there's no no mm. nah. and i feel like that's what gdc is actually known for in the industry is the developer talks the individual tracks that people go to and really share knowledge and insights a lot of postmortems, things like that and i really love kind of being a fly on the wall in some of those situations where you're going in and listening about a lot of parts of the industry that we as members of the media don't really get access to, right? Like, I feel like GDC is one of the few shows where you kind of get to see how the sauce is made, for lack of a better phrase. It's a good phrase. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's really cool. It's it's really cool insight. Um, it's also just really fun when it's in person. It's really fun networking because ev- all the developers are there, all the publishers are there. They're all talking to each other. They're all just like sort of roaming around and talking shop. And you sort of get those little glimpses and those little insights and those connections. And it's really really cool and exciting. And in a in a different way than something like PAX or E three is exciting. But yeah, just not. It just didn't really happen because of everything. And so. It was it was fine. The talks were good, but yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess if you want to check out those talks, a lot of them are available on the GDC website. And of course, you can check out Rebecca's coverage at gamesindustry.biz. But we're going to chat more with Rebecca about everything that she does and take your questions since lots of you did write into whatsgoodgames.com slash dearwgg, which is how you can be part of the show. You can also be part of the show by sponsoring us at patreon.com slash whatsgoodgames, like our Patreon producers for the month of August, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Tay, Justin Foshi, Mohammed Mohammed, Marcus Brown, Punctified and Californicated, and welcome to our Patreon community, Kalia Reynolds, Sammy, Robert Demler, and Boomer1792. I want to remind you guys that at patreon.com slash what's good games, you can get the show ad-free in our epic membership tier. Just a little friendly reminder in case you were interested. And Brittany, we have some new podcast reviewers this week as well. We have a lot. Starting with haha207. The Vagician 95. Uh, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> NBZ, EA Jord, Marty Man 1991, Big Hit Brown, Ozzy Bogan, Lizzie D 730, Zombie Geek, who says, I deliver pizzas for a living, and these girls help keep my day exciting and entertaining while on the road. Keep up the great work. Zombie Geek, I would say you are doing this all a service by delivering pizza during this trying time. So thank you to you. Amen to that. We got Ichigo for life. One, two, three. The Droosters, Fixed Piano, and Outcast 316. Thank you all so much. We say it almost every week, but this really does help us in the algorithms, and it helps new people discover our show so we can introduce them to the funny stuff. Thank you. Exactly. Everybody needs some funny stuff in their life, particularly right now. Yep. All right, everybody, before we get into the news, I want to say that this week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Bespoke Post, Theragun, and Omaha Steaks, but we're going to talk more about those folks later. Our first story is all about that big delay. Where are the tissues? Because Master Chief is sad. Can he be sad? I mean, we would never know. I don't know. Yeah, can Spartan you're still see it? a helmet. No one can see it. It's I guess true. Like, yeah, it's true. Pro tips mm-hmm. from Master Chief to you. If you need to like have a cry, <laughs> a private cry, and then you need to go helmet. to work, helmets. Get a, get a helmet with a full <laughs> just face. Just go to work. Suit, the suit probably Chief does it for him. The suit probably like soaks up his tears or something and recycles them. Repurposes or, it or yeah, I, I probably hydrates him. You know, we don't know how those Spartans are really. There's made. like some deep lore get about the suit that people put, keep putting on Twitter. I don't understand it. I, I've tried. Yeah, get those get those saline injections going. Um, so in case you missed it, Halo Infinite has been delayed until 2021. Oh, Brittany, I believe you got this write-up from gamesindustry.biz. Who wrote it? I don't know. Oh, my God. Maybe someone named Rebecca Valentine wrote it. Who could say? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to read it, or would you like me to? Would you like to read your own story? Yeah, Rebecca. (laughs) We've never had anybody read their own story on the show before. Please do this for us. Do you just want me to read these bullet points that you have here? Is that what you want me to do? Yeah. Would you like to paraphrase your own article? Yeah, would you like to just tell us with your eyes closed? Has anyone asked you to do that before? Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Okay. Cool, yeah. Uh, Halo Infinite, previously intended to be a key exclusive console launch title for the Xbox Series X this holiday, has been delayed into 2021. Uh, in a Twitter announcement... Earlier, I guess it was earlier this week. I don't even. I don't. What day is it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> developer 343 Industries attributed the delay to multiple factors, including the ongoing COVID-related impacts affecting us all this year. Uh, studio head Chris Lee wrote in the announcement: that the delay was necessary, quote, to ensure the team has adequate time to deliver a Halo game experience that meets our vision. End quote. Um, and in a post that dropped at the same time on Xbox Wire, Microsoft acknowledged the delay while placing a focus instead on the console's backward compatibility at launch, as well as the over 100 titles that are being optimized for the Series X. And then here well, you well, have well. some old stuff on your new console, because <laughs> yeah. you can. <laughs> so I didn't I... include the full statement. Do you guys care to read the full statement, or should we just read? No, I don't think that that's necessary okay. for the full statement. I think we all know that COVID and the pandemic response has affected everybody in the world, and 343 is no stranger to that, and I think that we all agree that it's a bummer, but as many people wrote on social media, they should take the time that they need and take care of their team and make sure not only is their team safe and healthy, but also that they're not going to be into a forced crunch to make a holiday launch in a year where does the holiday launch really even matter? <laughs> what It'll is be time? Uh, interesting to see, yeah. Yeah. I do think the the real trouble with this, though, and something that we haven't really heard anybody talk about publicly is that this is actually going to be quite devastating for Xbox. And I know that some people don't agree with me. I was chatting about that on my stream a little bit when I was streaming today, but... This, to me, is a really big blow to them for holiday and selling hardware in this year. Now, we've already talked extensively on the show before about how launch lineups are never really as flashy as we like them to be. And if you look at historically at launch lineups, they're kind of like like a wah-wah wet blanket moment. Usually there's like one big standout title that everyone's like, this is the one thing, but there's not like a robust slate of games that come out in a launch year. They usually come out in the following year and then the several years after. So I do think though, like head to head sales, this is going to be a pretty big blow for Xbox Series X because I think Sony so far has maintained that their first parties are on track and that, you know, I think even just Spider-Man Miles Morales is going to be a big lift for PS5, but absolutely. Ratchet and Clank too. Ratchet and Clank will do some work. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I've totally forgot that that's also holiday 2020 and bug Wait, snacks. What? Oh my god, <laughs> also holiday 2020. I mean, clearly it's bug snacks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> One day snacks. we'll get the bug snacks uh, console, the special edition console. <laughs> It'll be beautiful. It'll oh be like Joy Cons that go on the Switch, but they're shaped like the strawberries and they just slide right oh. on. Dude, that would be so cool. I would, I would buy that. that. I would buy that. But no, I like. Just to echo what you guys are all saying, I agree. I think when it comes down to do you launch the do you launch Halo Borks? No, absolutely not. Because you have so much more to lose. Like Halo will come eventually, and when it does, it needs to. That is what she said. Well, is it no? Because he like it's not his master. I digress. Let's let's move on. I don't want to go down that path. That would be kind of weird. (laughs) Anyway, what I'm trying to say is. Halo, there's so much writing on this Halo franchise, and we've talked about that a lot on this show, that if you launch a Halo that's Bork, that doesn't live up to the expectations, it's going to do so much more damage, I think, than you know the alternative. And I think this is absolutely the right call, obviously, for the health of the team, first and foremost, but also, secondly, because of what's writing on this release in terms of Halo. If this doesn't release and live up to the expectations, then what does Microsoft have as their killer flagship title? Anyway, You know, it's like, so what do you got? You can't don't have Halo. You don't have Master Chief. 
crying in his suit and repurposing his water for hydration. <laughs> you know? Right. And like, yeah. Fable, right, is definitely at least two to three years away, I think we can safely say. Yeah. And yeah. we don't know what's happening with Gears. <laughs> Clearly, the, that team has probably, you know, gone to ground to work on whatever's happening with Gears 6 or anything else that they're working on. I know we had Gears Tactics earlier this year. But... Really, I think the question that I would love to hear answered, and I don't know if we're ever going to get an answer, is what was going on internally at 343 that they didn't have this figured out before this big flashy announcement that they did in July, right? So Xbox made a big showing of trotting out Halo Infinite and 343 at their Xbox Games Showcase that we covered, and I have to believe that 343 knew that day that they were going to slip holiday. Why Xbox didn't take the time to either delay the showcase or at that time to communicate that this game is not coming holiday, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know why they didn't just do it then because that was just weeks ago. It wasn't like it was months yeah. ago. Yeah. It's the head scratcher on multiple points. There's that one. And then for me, I'm like, this game has also been in development for a very long time. And it is a, like, yes, COVID happened, but like, I feel like this game should have been mostly complete by that point. So to me, I'm just a little bit confused. Like, there's clearly some turmoil happening at the studio, but unclear as to what it is. Well, I feel like the problem goes beyond just 343, right? Because Microsoft has made this big show over the last several years of acquiring just about a gazillion studios. I mean, they've just got like this whole big basket of new studios. And the vast majority of a few of them have come out with releases since. But like the vast majority of them have not released anything because Microsoft acquired them. And now they're sitting here tinkering and working on things. And we've seen like little glimpses, right? Like we've seen Hellblade 2. We saw like a, a, a ton of things from Obsidian. I mean, Obsidian just finished something else. But they've got like this big basket of things that they're working on. And I, I think we all just sort of expected that, oh, they're all just sort of sitting on their stuff right now, waiting for the end of the console generation. And then at launch, they're just going to come out with this big blowout of new titles. And then like, nobody's got anything. It's very weird. Um, And I think, I think at any other year, uh, it would have been, I, I still think it's not going to be great for Microsoft. I think in any other year, it would have been really devastating for them. I think it's, COVID-19 is extremely bad. I think that the sort of unintended accidental effect here is that on the console launch is that fewer people are going to buy consoles regardless of what software is going to be on them at the end of the year. Like, it wouldn't matter who had a flagship title. People just broadly have less money to spend on big, expensive technology. And so it seems more likely that whenever things sort of settle back down, that will be when people start looking at the next generation of consoles. And so if Microsoft can get their act together in terms of good, like, exclusive software by then, then they'll probably have an okay time maybe. But, like, I I think that if that was not going on right now, Sony with even just, like, one game or two games is automatically in a better position. Oh, yeah. So you think about it. What do we have at launch? with xbox like what is there that would entice someone right now to pick an xbox over a third party a place all third party all third party right so what would be that they have their marketing with cyberpunk for me personally i got my yakuza like a dragon coming to that bad boy or maybe assassin's creed valhalla i think is a big is a big title and a big win for them too right oh Yeah. yeah yeah but couldn't someone just get that on a playstation 5 yeah i mean you can get all the third parties right yeah I do wonder if they will announce something closer to release date for Game Pass where That's there where, are a yes. lot of these upcoming third-party titles that will launch on Game Pass 
mm-hmm. um, which and not not just one like it can't just be one game it can't like just be cyberpunk or whatever it has to be like several to make it valuable to people but I think if you know you, you're coming to the holiday and like all five big holiday titles are on Xbox Game Pass and you can buy a console and a subscription and you have kind of that confidence that more things are going to be coming along the way and maybe you like the tech behind Xbox and maybe you're into xCloud or whatever is going on maybe that's enticing enough yeah also there's always the s that we have we'll maybe we'll get this but yeah i mean you give it an attractive price point you bundle it with some game pass and you you know tout the fact that it's the most powerful console that might work on some folks but it's going to be interesting to see how the marketing changes for this game going forward because now you can't lean on mr mr chief I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't market it as the most powerful console only because I don't think that's a selling point for most people at this point. I think to Rebecca's point earlier, it's like it's more about value. And if they're starting to add in third parties, that's when you as a family, like, or you as whoever, are going to make a console decision. You'd be like, "Wow, holy crap! I can yes, the consoles are going to be expensive, but if I can just get this subscription service and whatever, it feels a little bit less daunting than buying two or three sixty dollar games all at once." Um, that's where they could potentially. Yeah, my point was more. It's just an attractive little marketing bullet that you could stick on there that someone might be like, "Ooh, wow, what a good purchase I'm making! The most powerful console, oh and goodness. I get all of this." Go me! I'm so educated. I'm making such a good choice. Yes, yes. Anyways, yes. It's it's true. I mean, and they have been they have been pushing that very heavily. The most powerful console. I mean, they say it constantly, and it's like sure, it's technically true, but like the. The sliver of difference is probably not worth splitting hairs over at this point. But speaking of the most powerful console, the Xbox Series X has been confirmed, question mark, for a November release window. And launch lineup plans have been revealed. So it's interesting that... Have been I, revealed or leaked? I So it started with a leak, <laughs> yes, right? So do. it started with these controller videos that we saw that we talked about in What's Good Games Live on Monday, where people were buying Xbox Series X controllers on a variety of online marketplaces, being like, why do I have this? How can I get this? This is kind of crazy that these are in the wild. And then some tipsters have been showing marketing materials that say do not open mm-hmm. till November 6th, 2020. So after that came out, I'm still looking for the exact source of this. And I didn't see this source in this article. The source you, of the Rebecca, photo? do you know what this... No, the source of the confirmation. Oh, the confirmation was from the exact same blog post uh, from the Halo Infinite announcement. The Xbox Wire so that's, one. So if you look but on that's that, not a confirmation up. from Xbox, or did Xbox Wire it, actually confirm it? It's a confirmation of November. It's not a confirmation of November 6th. November 6th yeah, has not been confirmed. It. Okay, so, I mean, surprising no one, Microsoft has confirmed that November will be the launch window <laughs> for their brand new... <laughs> console okay um i'm glad that that i'm glad that you made that clarification because when i saw ign like making this headline i was like wait a minute is it november 6th that they're confirming or just november but i mean i think we all pegged november to be (laughs) the release month well microsoft accidentally leaked it like months ago uh there was a weird thing on the official website for the Xbox Series X. It was one of the international sites for it. It was, it was like in, in English, but it was one of the international sites. And it was a piece of art. Like not just not just someone typed like someone typoed in like a press release or something. Like it was a piece of like designed official art on a, an official Xbox Series X website that said Thanksgiving 2020. I remember that. Yes. And they like pulled it down and they were like, no, no, it's not real. It's fake. It was an accident. Um, no, that's you. You paid somebody to make that. 
that art. I don't know if it's still true. Like, they might have bumped it back earlier, but at some point they were thinking Thanksgiving 2020. It's very funny. So, yeah. Dang. Back for... But funny. We had nice things. We have a question from our Patreon community, ladies, from Husbando Challenger, which is a really cute name. Hello, ladies. Do you think not having a flagship title at launch will make Microsoft more willing to take an even bigger hit on console to undercut Sony by taking, oh, by undercutting Sony more than they would have? Potentially. I mean, they historically have done that in the past. I think if you look at the 360 and the PS3 era, that was very obvious, right? The the big price difference between those systems. So they could, absolutely, because if they have a cheaper box, it incentivizes people to pay for the ultimate subscription to Game Pass, that $15 a month that includes PC and the upcoming Project xCloud service, right? And just as a refresher, the breakdown of what players can expect from Series X before the end of the year for software, more than 50 new games planned across generations optimized for Series X, including Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Dirt 5, Gears Tactics, Yakuza Like a Dragon, Watch Dogs Legion. With smart delivery, you only have to buy these games once, so play the best versions for your console across <laughs> generations. Ugh, marketing tuck, marketing tuck. Um, and it also, inclu- of course, includes Xbox Game Pass in their marketing materials, uh, which have games like The Medium, Scorn, Tetris Effect Connected, and more, plus more than 40 popular games newly optimized to take advantage of the Series X, such as Destiny 2, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Forza Horizon 4, Gears 5, Madden NFL 21, and more. So obviously, as a diehard Destiny player, I will be playing Destiny on my new console, but sadly, it will not be on the Series X until crossplay is implemented, hopefully sometime in 2021. I um, just want to pour one out for Xbox. They've had a hell of a couple of weeks. Their Halo showing wasn't great. That one toy retailer leaked their free multiplayer. The (laughs) Apple xCloud shenanigans. Now the controllers. Like the Apple thing is them though. (laughs) But still, it's 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 not. It's just not enough. It's just not. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. You know. Now we got these new controllers, and now Halo's been delayed. So Microsoft, I drink to you. Good luck. We're rooting for you. Godspeed. Yep. I feel like let's leave Xbox behind. Life is hard. <laughs> let's let's leave Xbox behind. No, well, I mean, um, no. unless we don't have another story. But. No, no, no. Here's the th- here's the thing. I think we you know we want to answer Husbando Challenger's question. Do you oh, think not having a flagship title at uh, launch will yeah. make Microsoft more willing to take an even bigger head? I said I think that they would look at doing that, but maybe you disagree. Anybody? I am super interested to see, because now we have not one price battle about to happen, but two, because Sony has announced that they have an all digital console, and Microsoft has leaked this Xbox Series S, yeah. X, um, which we are presuming is going to be their all digital version as well. Both of those, again, we don't know prices, but presumably going to be cheaper. So I think that the battle is going to be very interesting, not just on like the highest price point, but also the lowest one. And I think that. It is possible that Microsoft is maybe either willing to take a deeper cut on the less expensive console as opposed to the more exp- the the physical disc one um, to sort of like make up for that or give people a cheaper option, or I think it is possible they're willing to take a not to take a deeper cut but basically like do some really fancy bundling gymnastics with Game Pass and. I don't know, whatever else to make it seem like an attractive proposition. But I mean, most consoles are sold either at a loss at a loss or like right at break even. So there's only so much that everybody can discount their stuff. 
Yeah, and yeah. I think Microsoft and Xbox just wants you in their ecosystem. They want you to get you on those pretty, pretty Game Pass subscription services. Hell yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all. doing business. We just need you in the living room. We just need to get like to get in there. Let us leave you a trail. Take all your money. A trail of consoles, and then we'll like bombard you with a ball pit of Game Pass subscriptions. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I do want them to not call it Series S. I want them to get away from S and X because it's too difficult to. Over enunciate every time, and if it's going to be a digital edition, just call it Series D. That's it. Well, <laughs> well no, no, Andrea, no, 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 Andrea, no. I love you. As if, no. Siri, as if Sexbox is better. Sexbox, there's Sexbox I, and there's Susbox. What, but what about good. the Xbox Sad Edition? I mean, that was terrible Xbox too. S all there's digital a, edition. The there's sad a reason edition? that's canceled. Sad. There's a reason there's no. They're no longer making those. But if well, you do Xbox Series D, I mean, we all know where the joke is with that. Look, PlayStation is the only Sony is the only company that has proven itself consistently capable of naming consoles. PlayStation yeah. one, two, three, four, five. It's not that hard. Nintendo, the Switch oh, is fine, but everything before Nintendo, the Wii, the Wii U, like what is all this 3DS? Nobody can name consoles except for 3DS, Sony. new 3DS, new 3DS, the new 2DS. I can't keep up. Yeah, XL. I can't keep up. No, I. You know, props to Sony. They make sense. One, two, three, four, five. I know what everything Digital is. Digital edition. Exactly. Yeah, that's why it's like just be Xbox One X. Digital edition. Yeah, Xbox Series Xbox X Series Digital X. Edition. See, this is why I yeah. hate your naming conventions, Microsoft. Yeah, just terrible. My brain. Well, the way that Aaron Greenberg talked about it when the Xbox One X came out and then they had the Xbox One S and then they had the all digital is that he made a point. It wasn't just him, actually. It was other members of the... It wasn't him, honestly. I'm getting that incorrect. It was one of the gentlemen on the hardware marketing team, specifically, who was talking about how naming conventions and other types of consumer electronics is has been in versions or editions for a long time if you look at like galaxy phones or the iphone or the note or whatever right there's the only consum- when you get to a certain point i feel like it was just one through whatever for a while and then they were like well this is getting maybe a little ridiculous now we'll start doing it well, right but the real problem was when they transitioned from xbox to xbox 360 that's when they screwed themselves and now yes. they're like how do we walk this back i know xbox one it's the first one wait it's actually not the first one <laughs> now it's, it's an the xbox one now it's a series yeah <laughs> it's like somebody somebody over there in the brand team is like god why, why? <laughs> just really start over and just call it xbox only it's just it says xbox just fucking just do it like you're yeah. just gonna have like this mega list of like names for possible future xbox consoles and they get like progressively dumber and dumber and it's it's like naming windows i mean the microsoft didn't really name windows very well either like for a while it was like 95 98 yeah. or whatever and then all of a sudden yeah. it was vista vista it's yeah not good I don't know. They just need to go the Resident Evil route and do a fun playoff of Roman numerals. No. (laughs) Call of Duty, Black Ops, Four Eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I remember that. Such a pain in the butt. Um, Anywho, uh, thank you so much for your question, Husbando (laughs) Challenger. If you want to submit questions to the show, you can join us at patreon.com slash what's good games. And now let's hear a word from our first sponsor of the night, Bespoke Post. 
As we all settle in to our new normal version of summer, Bespoke Post is here with customized box of awesome collections guaranteed to upgrade your life. I've talked to you guys a lot about how I love my new home office setup that I have with my nice leather pad and my fancy little magnetic time turner. And Steimer has these cute little Moscow mule cups. It's perfect for when you need a drink while you're working. Like, you know, COVID makes you feel like you need every day. No judgment. Uh, Bespoke Post sends only the best stuff Every month, no matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. To get started, all you have to do is take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome just for you. They'll release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can always skip a month or cancel any time. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Now, I personally think that the new Turbo Box looks especially handy with those different types of coffee to help keep me awake for my late nights collecting all the sword kits and ghosts of Tsushima. Or the Soothe Box is filled with self-care items like a sugar scrub and bath salts. Mm, Feels relaxing. You guys can check out those boxes and more and get 20% off your first box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code WGG at checkout. That's boxofawesome, just like it sounds, dot com. Make sure to use that code WGG for 20% off your first box and to help support us here at What's Good Games. All right, our next story, Brittany, do you want to go ahead and take this one? I'll take control. So, uh, oh, I like what you did there. Did I'm sad you didn't make a Mass Effect joke. <laughs> Assuming control. there's no please in you, Steimer. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> control limits free next gen upgrades to its new $40 Ultimate Edition. This comes from The Verge. Remedies Control is getting a new $39.99 Ultimate Edition that bundles every update and bit of downloadable content that has been released since the game originally launched in 2019. It will come out on August 27th on Steam for PC, then on September 10th on the Epic Game Store and both the PS4 and Xbox One digitally. Notably, buying this new console version will serve as a ticket that grants you a free digital upgrade to the PS5 or the Xbox Series X version via smart delivery when it becomes available. That's great and all, but unfortunately, that means people who bought the game when it originally released won't get the same next-gen treatment. According to publisher 505 Games, the, quote, free upgrade path to Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 version of Control is only available for Control Ultimate Edition. According to VGC, Microsoft doesn't want publishers to charge for next-gen upgrades, suggesting that developers working on cross-gen titles, like Control's Ultimate Edition, should make next-gen version available at no extra cost. That's what 505 Games is technically doing by offering a new version of the 2019 game, but it's a move that grifts early buyers. Thoughts? So this is absolutely the wrong move. Why on earth would anybody think that this is a good call, especially when the platform holder's like, yo, don't do this. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, is this, and I, I, so I played Control. I loved Control. I played it on PC, so I have just, I, I played it and I loved it and I did not pay attention to what happened on console and other places after that. Is this Ultimate Edition, is it like better in some like qualitative way? Like, is this like a, te- is there a technical explanation for this? I couldn't find anything. All I found is that it's just the base game and the DLC bundled together for $40, and that's all. Everyone's already bought the first DLC! Yeah, so if you bought the season pass and the game, no. you're $85 in. 
No. So it, it, defi- it definitely doesn't make sense. And honestly, if it had to do with a uh, technological upgrade, they can push an update to right. everybody who owns the license for the game and say, hey, if you want to be able to upgrade your version and take your save with you, you because that's really why people want to upgrade, then that's all they would need to do. <laughs> I don't. I do not understand the logic of punishing people who supported you at launch by saying, oh, cool, thanks, but we actually don't want to give you the same upgrade treatment that we're going to give people who buy the game now. You like, think- I, this is the biggest head-scratcher. I this do not get like it. This is just like mobile phone carriers where you're like, oh, you've been a customer? We don't care. Yeah, exactly. uh, are you new? Here's a whole bunch of fun incentives for you. Pretty and, much. And it's hard, too, when you have publishers like CD Projekt Red saying that Cyberpunk will be getting a free upgrade eventually for ps5 and xbox series x and you have you know ac valhalla and watchdogs also and not to mention yakuza like a dragon who are getting these upgrade paths now it's a little confusing as to which games are actually just going to make it well here's the thing right so if your game comes to the next generation you have to assume that it's going to have some sort of technical boost right like I'm assuming. I mean, yeah, or, Mostly, or that yeah. it's like uh, that's optimized for the new optimized. hardware, but yeah. not necessarily. But like even optimized for games that are coming out this year is like the biggest air quotes optimized. It's probably going to run almost exactly the same. They might have to do some architecture like tweaking on the back end with the code that they have because I don't I don't have the knowledge to tell you how different the code is that they Mm-mm. submit for Xbox. One versus Xbox Series X. Clearly, it's going to be different in some way, but it's beyond my pay grade to know those things. Yeah. It also feels very weird because this game just came out a year ago. It feels weird that we're getting like this Ultimate Edition does not feel like dramatically, like all the other stuff aside, it doesn't feel like dramatic. Why are they releasing an Ultimate Edition? Like when you, I, I mean, I guess so there's a cheaper way to get the game and the DLCs, but like this is the. the the Control Ultimate Edition is the kind of thing that I would expect them to announce sometime like next year when the consoles were have already been out for a little while. When you know maybe maybe they have done maybe they haven't done a next gen upgrade. Maybe they have like who knows? But like announce it next year when the consoles are already out as a sort of hey this is coming out on the next generation of consoles and if you buy this if you happen to have like a PS4 or something you can also play it on that. Like it's the exact same announcement but it feels more palatable in that sense yeah. because yeah. it's our, it's been like another year like. It doesn't feel like you're trying to nickel and dime people to get this on the next gen of, generation of consoles. But right now, it just feels... Why? 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 Yeah, yeah and it. I think that there's a there's a workaround for this that's relatively easy in my mind. Is you give people the option in-game to get to a splash screen where they can buy mm-hmm. an ultimate upgrade. And if for some reason 505 refuses to do it for free, which, again, you should do it for free... But if they are like, well, we need to charge for this SKU, then charge something small, like $5, right? Say, if you bought the game and the DLC and you want to bring that game and replay it on your new console, it'll cost you 5 bucks to get in instead of $40 to get in, right? You shouldn't have to rebuy everything. That's ridiculous. And they haven't done this either. It's, it, it's you know, the response from the community, of course, is expected. A lot of people are like, yo, the game is really great. It's worth the money. I don't think people are disputing that. I think they're disputing the idea that you bought it once and you should have to, you have to buy it again when a precedent has now been set mm-hmm. by several large publishers by saying – Yo, we're not going to do that. We're going to make it easy for people to transition. I just we're going to be more consumer friendly, and then they're just like, nah, yeah. And it's also such a <laughs> like, bad- yeah. If they had this and an additional something else for people who already ex- like 
existing owners, that'd be a much different announcement to be like, hey, if you've never played it, here's the ultimate edition and you'll also get a free upgrade. Mm -hmm. And then PS, if you already own it, it's whatever. But yeah, to just be like, you buy this or you don't. Yeah, it's just also a bad look considering that the second DLC isn't even out yet. So people who did buy the season pass, they're like, yo, ouch. Weird move from a studio that, like, I think with Control, there's sort of a vibe of being, like, I mean, you know, people know about Remedy, but it feels kind of scrappy, right? Like, it was this game yeah. that, like, it punched way above its weight and way above its budget, and everyone was like, Control! Control is so good! And it won a bunch of awards, and it had, like, all this loyalty from people, and I was like, yeah, you know what? If you want to play it on the next-gen console, you know, <laughs> screw you. I know. <laughs> well, this is definitely, I would imagine, now, I don't know for sure, so let me let me temper what I was about to say. I have to believe that this is 505's decision. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that if you talk to the team at Remedy, that they don't want this for their fans, for their community. They want people who bought the game to be able to play the game on next-gen consoles. Just the same way if I buy Assassin's Creed Valhalla on PS4, I get to play it on PS5 and not have to yeah. pay anything extra, right? I think you're probably right. Like, so, like, publishers are generally the ones who are making the egregious decisions when money is involved. And it was interesting. One of the comments on this Verge article was somebody talking about, yo, EA is the shittiest, and even EA isn't doing stuff like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they walked back their Madden deal. Remember, they said you can only upgrade between, what was it, January and March. And they're like, no, no, you have yeah. the whole year now. Did they walk that back? They oh, did. thank God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Internet has dumb. spoken. The Internet walk has spoken. Back, 505. I, so, okay, let's make a prediction. Do you think 505 will walk this back as well? Yeah. I feel like they have to. I feel like they have to make some kind of concession for people who've already bought the game, particularly, as you mentioned, Britt, with that extra piece of DLC that's part of the season pass that's already been bought by consumers that they haven't received yet. Yeah. Like, not allowing people to bring that with them to a new console if they want to upgrade is, to me, just not acceptable. Yeah. Agreed. I will be awaiting the as as Rebecca call. warned us. There is a there is a cat. A wild cat has appeared. Yeah. Oh, what is your cat. kitty's name? Her name is Robo. Her sister is Luca. They're named after Chrono Trigger. Aww. Oh, so cute. It's a baby. Oh, I would love it when cats make. We love chances. we love cats. We love yeah. pets of all kinds here at What's Good Games. Yes. Yep. But obviously, I'm partial to cats for obvious reasons. Um, okay, uh, moving on to the next story. The Last of Us Part 2 has pushed an update, and it's adding in grounded difficulty, permadeath mode, and more. So the PlayStation blog has a write-up on this, and I'm not going to go through absolutely everything in this post, because it is quite long. If you guys want to get all of the details, of course, you can head to the PlayStation blog on your own. But some of the highlights if you will uh, matthew galant the lead systems designer at naughty dog said we've been preparing a new update for the last of us part two which introduces new features and gameplay modes trophies and more including the much requested return of grounded difficulty best of all it arrives now by the time you're listening to this podcast it's available it launched on august 13th for veteran Last of Us fans, grounded difficulty represents the ultimate test of skill. This difficulty raises the stakes by not only making enemies deadlier and ammo, upgrade, and crafting materials incredibly scarce, but also removing invaluable tools for survival, such as disabling listen mode, deactivating elements of the HUD, and more. Nope. <laughs> and if you, Brittany, if you want even more of a challenge, oh. there's a brand new permadeath mode. With this custom mode enabled, there are no second chances. You must complete the entire game without dying or start over from the beginning. Cool. 
No, nope. not for me. Not no, for me thank you. I so I have not I have not played either game. So I am I am talking out of my butt here. Like, go ahead, talk I, out it's, of it's, my it's butt. Not, it's not it's not for me at all. But from everything that I have read and everything that I've seen of those games, and respecting the fact that this is absolutely something for a group of people, like there are people who will love this, there are people who do this. I cannot. Th- this game seems like just absolutely like heartbreaking and like emotionally just just absolutely destructive enough. I cannot imagine having already beaten it, going back through and doing it again with permadeath. Like, I can't fathom it. Some people will do it, and you know what? Have a great time, everybody. Absolutely. Well, it's funny. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Britt. Okay, I'll say, because there is a little blurb in here for speedrunners, because apparently people like to <laughs> speedrun this game. He says, for our, game, for our friends in the speedrunning community, we're also adding the ability to see playtime up to the second in the saves menu, making it easier to track and verify your runs, which I guess <sighs> is like something I think everyone would have appreciated when we were playing The Last of Us Part Two. But oh, yes. Well. Yeah. But for us fans here at What's Good Games of Baby Ass Baby Mode, there's something for us too, everybody, Woo. because they're also debuting new unlockable game modifiers like One Shot, Touch of Death that enables one hit kills, or Infinite Ammo, Infinite Crafting, or Infinite Listen Mode range to add a new twist to gameplay. All of the modifiers can be accessed via the extras menu and unlocked after completing the main game. So you do have to do like a new game plus run to unlock those things. So that is a little bit of a twist, which I wish they wouldn't have made that a caveat. It's like, yo, if you want to give people the challenge and force them into permadeath mode, they have to complete the game. Sure. That's cool. But to me, infinite crafting, infinite ammo, those seem like accessibility features that you could easily just add in at the beginning. But Naughty Dog, I'm not going to criticize you because you did a great job with accessibility features in Tilu 2 well, as Resident, we discussed in our spoiler cast. Resident Evil 2 did something like that, remember, where I think it was $5. You could it buy... DLC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could buy Infinite Health, Infinite Ammo, the Rocket Launcher. I think that's, I think that's a good staple going forward in these survival horror games because a lot of people just want to experience the story and they don't want to be, you know, worrying about dying. <laughs> My but hot take is that every- they should charge for it, or do you think it? Because like this is free, this it's is just, free. This is but you have to play. But you have to finish the game from start to finish, right? But in Resident Evil, it was just something you could buy from the get go. Uh, I would rather use money than my time. Yeah, quite honestly. Fair. Yeah. Same. My hot take is that everything should have an easy mode. Like everything should have just oh, yeah. like an absolute baby mode. Everything. Yes. Welcome to our baby ass baby everything. mode clan. <laughs> We're fans. We're fans of easy mode here too. But another thing I did want to mention that I think is a really neat, and we, I don't, I cannot recall a single game ever having added this is the things that they added to change the look of the game yeah. in it. Tlu too. So this paragraph reads: Have you ever wondered what The Last of Us Part Two would look like as a cell shaded adventure, or if it was made in retro eight bit era? How about if it was a black and white noir thriller or sepia toned classic? With this week's update, we're adding nearly thirty new graphics rendering modes, as well as several new audio modifiers that allow you to change the look and feel of the game. And Britt, you added in a couple um, photo examples here, and I have to tell you, I don't know why somebody at Naughty Dog. <laughs> decided it would be a good idea to take their phenomenal animation and artwork that their team worked tirelessly for years on and ask somebody to reduce it to 8-bit graphics. It looks so bad. Like, why on earth? 
Would you do that? I, if I was on the art team, clearly somebody on the art team thought that this was a really cool idea. But if, if my work, the models that I rendered for years got reduced to this because someone was like, I love 8-bit, I would be fuming. <laughs> What's that top one? It looks like a Telltale game. It does. I think that's the cel-shaded that's filter. That's not a Probably good the thing. Cel-shaded. <laughs> I, well, to be fair, the the problem with Telltale was not the art style, no. it was the animation. Correct. So right, that's what like I mean. A good though. Telltale game. No, it, it, it looks, looks like a still of a Telltale cool. game because the stills of Telltale games look great. Yes, hmm. but like the Uncanny Valley when it's in motion is is a whole other business. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, we'll need to see this in in the wild to know exactly just how how deep this goes. I have no doubt that by the time the podcast airs and you're listening to this, that there will be many, many examples out on the internet that you can go take a look at or make one yourself if you are feeling like you want to make your own machinima. So yeah, that, that happened. <laughs> we have a few in case you missed it, including just some game delays. The first one is Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. It was delayed to 2021 due to the quality barred ambitions that were set uh, the developer made the d- difficult decision that they need more time. This is a TLDR we hear all the time. Good on you. Insert that Miyamoto quote that everyone is using this week for the Xbox Halo delay. The other game that's been delayed is Dirt 5, which was delayed a whole last week from October 9th, 2020 to October 16th, 2020. I, 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 have, a question, I have a question for the panel. No. What... What is the point of delaying a game for a week? Like, what can be accomplished in that week? And that's a legitimate question. I don't know. This kind of boggles my mind. Maybe. I mean, a week is a weird one. Because I'm like, if it was a cert or something, where they're just like, ah, we fucked that up. We're like, oh, someone forgot to order the printing. Like, but I don't know. I also don't know what on earth would be done in a week. Unless they're just trying to get out of somebody else's window. But I don't think there's anything there. So I have no idea. In October? No. I think almost everything's been pushed to November. The best guess I yeah, have is, and, is from a person who does not know the first thing about making games uh, is either they found like a bug that like <laughs> breaks the game, but they know they can fix in that time period or like server things. Like they, they need- would have already like, a month out, they have to have passed certain certifications yeah. for consoles. Mm-hmm. So that is it. Would be, it would be more of like a publishing delay yeah. because the actual game itself needs to be done and printed. Maybe like distribution stuff. I mean, but like a week though. I mean, uh, distribution. That's why it's weird. I'm like, I've heard of like a month, and that seems that's usually about what it is when right. it's a publishing thing or like a printing thing. A week is just a weird one. Yeah. It's I don't weird. Know. I, don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe somebody this this to me reeks of like some weird executive having a like my a, kid's birthday is on October thirteenth, so I need <laughs> to have the date. Or pushed. that I was gonna say like had a weird premonition or like got a fortune teller and they were like, Don't launch that week and they're like, Oh no. I guess we'll do the week after. It's not, it's not it's not even like don't know. I don't it's know. not even them pushing it into like a new quarter or something like that would be the only other thing i could think of is if they yeah, wanted it to go true. in a certain quarter's financials instead of a previous yeah. quarter but that that doesn't count here either so because mm. another one other one of my thought was well okay maybe they know they needed to they need to delay it but they want to get the game out before the next co- gen consoles come out but even then that doesn't make any sense i don't know that eh. anyway i just thought that was interesting sounds like good luck with your extra week yeah do something with it i yeah <laughs> I don't know what it is. But I hope it goes well, whatever it is. 
Yeah, maybe they're like, we just want to take a week off. So we're just is there maybe there's some kind of holiday like in that in code because Codemasters is aren't they in the, the UK? UK? It says Codemasters some kind of UK holiday that week, and somebody just missed it. Codemasters uh, provided no reason for the small delay. This is from GameSpot, but did remind players that they can still play it three days early with the purchase of the amplified edition. So what? you can play as early as October thirteenth. Huh. Very confusing. Hmm. There's no. There's a there's no UK holiday those weeks. There's no bank holiday. So this is just some superstitious shit. That's what that's no. my guess. The <laughs> twelfth tw- is? is Thanksgiving in Canada. Yeah, oh. I guess they're just like nah. I'm gonna mark it, it in that my calendar. Bad it's got bad juju. I'm marking it in my calendar, and we will touch it's back on this week. and be like, what happened on this day? What premonition? What if did they it's have? like a full moon or some shit? What if it's just? <laughs> Wait, let's see what planets are going to be uh, you know, in rotation or in power, whatever the term is. Check the uh, check the horoscopes. Yeah, let's check. Let's check that out. Go we'll full see. cosmology on this. I'm into it. I mean, that's the only other explanation I can think. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything. Yeah. And I bet you if we try to ask them, they'll just be like, eh. we're excited to bring the game one week later. <laughs> you know how they, you can still play how they never actually the answer your question. Yep. On October 3rd, I think she said. I don't remember. 16th. Purchase 13th. the Amplified 13th. Edition and you can play it on the 13th. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. well, we'll find out. We'll revisit this in a few months. Is and it see a Friday the 13th? Spooky. Uh, <laughs> no, but no, it's not. I love you, Simon. <laughs> On that note, we are going to wrap our new segment for this week. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Andrea here with a couple of quick announcements about what's happening at What's Good Games. Our Patreon streams for the month of August are happening Saturday, August 22nd, times TBD. Be on the lookout at patreon.com slash what's good games for all the details. And if you want to join us in our exclusive streams, you can check out our membership tier options over there. Don't forget on Mondays at 5 p.m., Rihanna and I are streaming. Apologies to everybody who showed up expecting to watch Halo Combat Evolved and instead had to watch me suffer through severe technical problems. But the bonus was that I got to play Fall Guys and get my first two crowns, which we're going to talk about in the next segment. And that's all I have for announcements now. We'll see you guys in a minute. What's good, everybody? Welcome back. It is segment two of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we talk about what we've been playing and, of course, any preview events that we have been to. And we've got some new stuff for you this week. But we're going to get into that in just a second because I have a message from our sponsor, TheraOne. You guys may have heard there's a lot of buzz around CBD products right now. They're good for all kinds of things from tight muscles to tough workouts, signs of aging to simply making it through each busy day. Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Now, TheraOne was started by Dr. Jason Wurzlin, and TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. Now, it started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device, which you might have heard of. When Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, he created TheraOne to bring you CD. CBD products done right. A lot of CD a lot of CBD products claim to be organic but still contain up to 30% filler and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you, and every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the United States, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available 
anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. Now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering What's Good Games listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash what's good. I know. Don't get confused, everybody. You've got to go to theragun.com slash what's good. Now, if you don't love what you get from TheraOne, you can send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. Now, this is not something TheraOne is likely to do again, they have told us. It's buy one, get one free at theragun. That's T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N dot com slash what's good. And it's only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash what's good. Let's talk about what we've been playing. So, Brittany, hmm. do you want to talk about Friends of Mineral Town? I would love to talk about this quaint little title from my friends at Exceed and Marvelous. So this game was provided to me as a review copy, so thank you very much. In fact, I have a few review copies, not review copies, you're not reviewing it, but I have a few copies say, to give um, away. Excuse me, you didn't get me one. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Did you just say you have copies to give away? I do have copies to <gasps> give away. I just don't know how to do Simer's it Simer's like, I'm like, um, hello. I mean, do you want to okay. play on PC, Simer? I thought you, oh, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. Okay, anyhow, so this is a little farming. <laughs> Don't wag your finger at me. <laughs> I just did waifu. There's some sexual tension here, and I'm really sad. Uh, anyhow, okay, I digress. So, Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town. So, this is a farming, a farming simulator, and it starts off with you get your dead grandfather's rundown farm and you have to bring it back up to speed basically every other harvest moon game that there was back in the day so for those of you don't yep so for those of you don't know um natsumi owns the ip called harvest moon but exceed marvelous they make the story of seasons games which are essentially harvest moon it's the same group of developers it's a long confusing drama that i'm not going to bore you with what i'm trying to say is if you played harvest moon back in the day those developers no longer make harvest moon they make titles called story of seasons which is why this one is called story of seasons friends of mineral town it is a remake of the game boy advance game called harvest moon friends of mineral town but now (laughs) rebecca you've played harvest moon before right yeah, I played A Wonderful Life. Okay, that was the GameCube and PS2 game, I think. Yeah. Okay. I also played, like, one of the early ones, too, but the GameCube one is the one that I grew up with. Okay. So this is just a simple, because it is, you know, a remake of a Game Boy Advance game. It does have those, it's more simple than what you might be used to if you're used to playing, like, a, a Stardew Valley type of game. And that's okay. Some people really enjoy that. So essentially, yeah, you get this rundown farm, and your whole goal is to build it up. You know, you want to raise animals, you have cows and sheep, you have chickens and rabbits, and you get llamas as well. And there's a whole variety of crops that you get as well that every season, because the game takes place over the course of four seasons, and each season is 30 days, through each four seasons, you get a year, so on and so forth. And you just kind of want to bring it up to speed. So you got the animals, you got the crops, and then you have the villagers that you have to, you know, woo or make them like you, so to speak, by giving them items every day and talking to them every day they'll eventually come around they'll eventually like you and it's just it's a really relaxing cute game that is a farming game so if you're looking for something chill to relax with great uh what i will say is that it's not the best farming game out there 
because there are some things that are a little too simplistic for me, but some people tend to really enjoy. So, for example, there is very limited dialogue with the townsfolk of this game. So while, you know, you do have that range of affection between each member of Mineral Town, they don't really have a lot of extra interesting things to say, even when you beef up their affection towards you. They'll just say the same thing over and over again, and you better get used to it. There's limited customization in the sense that you don't get to choose where your chicken coop is, where your barn is, where you want to do your fields. I mean, you do have a big field, but it's you can't like really do anything with it. So if you're used to the customization of Stardew Valley, like just get used to that not being here. There is a lack of overall content, I would say. The rival marriages have been re- taken out. And if you know what I'm talking about, great. If you don't, don't worry about it. And there are festivals, which are really nice, but they're not very interactive. And if you can't participate in a festival, the festival will just fade to black. And it's like, okay, you're done. Go home. And it feels like a little bit of a step back from Trio of Towns, which was the last Story of Seasons game, which was on the 3DS. It feels like Trio of Towns had a lot more oomph and a lot more content and a lot more reason to keep playing. I am about 40 hours in, so I'm about halfway through my second year and I'm kind of at a point where most everyone in town likes me where I got the upgraded house where I can marry someone if I want but like I'm kind of playing the field right now to see who I really want to ultimately bang but I'm finding myself like well what do I do now like what do I strive for what's the point so for that reason I'm kind of tempered off from playing it but I was scouring the reddit because I was curious you know how people perceive this game fans of the game and some people really like the idea that it's so simple and that it takes a lot of the grunt work out of out of it for you. For example, you want to have your cows and chickens out. All you have to do is ring a bell by the barn and they come out by themselves. It's automatic in that sense. Um, it gives you oh, an easy meter. It gives you a list of townsfolk and how much they like you and how much they don't like you. It gives everyone's birthdays. So some people really like the simplicity of it. Some folks wish it was a little more in-depth like me. But what I will say is I did spend 40 hours with it and I have enjoyed my time with it. It has been the most perfect relaxing game that I think we all kind of need right now. So yeah, I would suggest picking it up. It's a good time. It's 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 I think it's what we call it, like I said, all kind of need it right now. Just sit down, harvest some turnips, talk to some people. Some of the quality of life improvements that are in this game, for example, say included same sex marriages, which was not in the original game, which is thank God, because Karen is my wife. She likes to drink a lot and I'm excited to marry her. Surprise, surprise. Um, There are little... Accessing your items is really easy, so you don't have to constantly open up a menu, swap out items, open up a menu, swap out items. It's all there on the D-pad or all on the right analog stick. Uh, so yeah, I would say like it's it's a it's a good remake of a game, but I'm excited to see what they do going forward with their next like true installation in this series. It's kind of wild how like Star- Stardew Valley came out and basically gave everybody they wanted. Everybody, everybody was a fan of like Harvest Moon or Story of Seasons like back in the day. It yeah. gave them everything they possibly wanted out of a game like that. It's still getting updated. Like they're wor- he's working on like 1.5 right now, but like. It's been a couple years, and neither Natsume or Marvelous has sort of risen to that yet. It's It's so crazy to me. I mean, Natsume, like, bless their hearts, they've worked (laughs) Harvest Moon so many times that I have no faith. I have no faith in, like, what they're doing going forward, unfortunately. Uh, But, yeah, Exceeded Marvelous, like, they're doing great stuff with this IP, and I hope, you know, like I was just saying, that going forward, they will live up to that Stardew Valley. Because, like you said, how does one person create such like a great game with so much more depth and then you have these teams of people and they can't hold up but uh, well, i hear cats i hear, I hear cats, cats. I, hear cats. I, hear cats. I mean i think the answer to that though is 
if you are a singular person, you have full creative control over what you want to do versus a, a company with lots of other people. People might, I don't know how they're run either. So like some of the folks there might have good ideas that are getting shot down or they're just not meshing well or whatever. Like there's lots of, the more people you add to an equation, sometimes the worse things get. It's true, right? Yeah. Um, but like I said, it's it's perfect for right now and it's very relaxing and cathartic and there's no negativity in this game at all. Like you don't feed your animals, they don't get sick, they don't die, they just don't produce their milk or their eggs. You know, it's it's just a nice thing. Someone gets mad at you, that's okay, just reload your save and they won't get mad just at you or, anymore. Oh, I thought you were going to say just give them an egg the next time. Well, <laughs> well, here's the problem, you could do that. But it, the, also a nice thing about this is you can save the game whenever you want, which is something before it was more like, okay, you got to you can only save right before you go to bed. Because yeah. there's that yeah. moment of like anxiety when you're about to give someone a turnip you're like, I hope you like this turnip. And you give them the turnip. And they're like, fuck you, I hate this. Get wrecked, as Simon would say. And you feel yeah. so bad. But you can just load your save if that happens, you know. You don't have to worry about it anymore. I also feel like, I always hate it when they'd be like, why are you giving me this? I'd be like, first of all, this is a gift. Yeah. <laughs> I've worked very hard for yeah. whatever this thing is that I'm giving to you. <laughs> and, then, and you're just going to throw that back in my face? Yeah. Get out of here. People are Leave rude. town. Pack People up your rude. things and go, star. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants you here anymore. <laughs> This is a weird deep cut, but um, so I played. I said I played a Wonderful Life on the GameCube, and it had the original Friends of Mineral Town. It had like this ability you could connect the Game Boy Advance to. There's like a cable or something you could connect it to the GameCube, and if you had Story of or if you had Friends of Mineral Town and a, a Wonderful Life, you could connect them and you could like turn them on at the same time. And in a Wonderful Life, there's like there's basically this main street that runs through town, and mm. it goes like all the way through town, and then it goes up a mountain, and you can't go up the mountain. Like, it doesn't do anything. Um, but if you have it connected, then you can go up the mountain. And I, I, I never owned the game, so I think you could go to Mineral Town, like, if you oh. had the game connected. But oh, then shit. also, characters from Mineral Town would come down the road and walk through your town in a wonderful life if you had it connected. I never did it, but, like, that's apparently what that was for. And that's cool. Yeah. And there's a merchant. Is Van in, in your game? Is Van the merchant? Oh, I, I, ooh, yes. I think so. Hold on. Let's yeah. Go. He was the merchant in A Wonderful Life, too. And he would walk back and forth between the towns up the mountain. I think Van was in there. And that's, I mean, the other cool thing, too, is, a, oh, Van, yeah, yeah, he is in there. But he has a very, like, limited role. But that's yeah. cool. Uh, it's, it's always so fun to talk about Harvest Moon with someone who's played the Harvest Moon games before. Listen. I'm sorry we've let you down, Brittany. Uh, you've played some Harvest Moon, haven't I've you? I've played some. Not, not yeah. all of them. It's all right. Mm, one of the DS ones, I think, and I accidentally hit my horse with a hammer. Oh, and that's why? Yeah, so I was trying to hit the I was trying to hit the tree, oh. and he, the horse was standing by the tree, and then it let me hit my horse, and I was like, "What? First of all, why would you let me hit the horse? Like, <laughs> you yeah, know, never do I that in real life. To hit the tree. They took that out of this one as well, so you can't accidentally hurt your animals, and you can. Like I should have mentioned this briefly. Customize your character. It's nothing like crazy but you can have you know a male or female character same-sex marriages which is awesome and yeah they kind of streamlined and took out a lot of those annoyances like you said summer you can't accidentally smack your horse with a hammer because i have done that with my animals many times and i always feel so bad but it's okay yeah. they don't know any better he was the horse was just like why I was why like, I, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to do it i'm sorry but it's well, also I'm glad you had switch. a good time with it yeah it's on pc and switch and i've been playing on switch and it's the perfect little switch game Nice. Yeah. Are you going to continue to get the waifu of your dreams, or do you think you're going to move on? I think I think I need to marry at least someone. I need to get it in at least once with someone. So I think what I'll do is I'll marry someone, and then I'll get knocked up, and then um, I'll probably call it good. 
And then I'll give my baby to a witch and then uh, <laughs> start it all over again. Get divorced. Wife I, like, I really liked that feature of Stardew. I thought that was really funny. You can marry a witch? No, you can give your children to the witch. If you're like, I don't want this kid, like, take it away. If you don't want the kids, that you can get rid of them. Do the witches like then eat them or do they indoctrinate them? What happens? Indoctrinate. <laughs> I think like, the fan theory is that they turn them into crows. I don't know. Oh, I could be shit. making that up. Someone's going to listen to this and be like, no, that, that's not true. I don't know. Thank you for that report, Brittany. Mm. I'm glad that you had a nice, lovely, relaxing time with it. And uh, how do you want to give away those codes? Are you going to give them away on your Twitter account, on the What's Good account? Did you think about it yet? Or I'm, gonna I'm brainstorming it. You know, TBD. Okay. All right. Well, if you aren't following us at What's Good underscore games on Twitter, maybe you want to go smash mm-hmm. that follow button. Smash and it. also at Blonde Nerd on Twitter. Smash it. If you want to hear more about waifus and harvesting vegetables in video games. <laughs> I don't know. Only in video games because in real life she only eats chicken wings. It's true. It's true. <laughs> She's just made of chicken wings. She's 98% chicken wings. No, take that back. She's 70% whiskey and 30% chicken wings. Yes, that's more accurate. Yeah. yeah. I, I corrected myself. Okay, it's fine. It's made. fine. I, you know, um, cool. <laughs> thank Thanks, Brittany. Okay, moving on. Rebecca, you have been playing a game called Among Trees. Yeah, I actually just picked it up this morning. It is, it's on the Epic Game Store. It's in early access. It's a survival game. I do not normally like survival games um, because I am an anxious person and survival games make me anxious because I'm always hungry or I'm always dying or I'm always bleeding or I'm always too hot or I'm too cold. Like there's just like something wrong literally at all times. And so I'm just in this panic mode the whole time. And Among Trees, I only, I've only played it for for like an hour and a half so far, Um, but it is, you, you just like wake up in this wilderness there's not there's not really a story there's like some environmental storytelling but there's not really like an explanation as to why you're there um and there's just sort of some stuff littered around there's like some planks and some sticks and you build a little cabin out of them um and then you're just kind of left to sort of roam and it it gives you difficulty options at the beginning so you can choose you can choose sort of the level of the hazard that the wilderness has. So you can either turn all hazards off. Um, you can have like a normal level of hazards or you can make it like very dangerous. Um, I just did normal. Um, I think there's bears. I haven't uh-huh. seen a bear yet, but I think there are bears that will like kill you. So uh-huh. I'm I'm very nervous about bears. There was a point when I was wandering around where I heard buzzing and it sounded like bees. And I looked over and I saw like a beehive and I'm like, okay, beehives mean bears. I don't want to be near that. I want to leave. (laughs) And so I started walking away and then a little eye icon like popped up at the top of my screen and like some kind of like nervous music started playing. And I I looked around and I didn't see a bear. But I got out of there and then the eye icon went away and the music calmed down. I'm like, what was watching me? Was it a bear? Was it like... Like an like an evil god, like I don't know. What it was, was a it? witch in the woods, right? Like it was a baby from Stardew Valley. It was really <laughs> alarming. Um, but then there's also there's also like a difficulty option for just the game itself. So there's like easy, like you can basically turn off all bears, all bad things. You can make it just a game about walking around in the woods and picking mulberries. Like if that's what you want, you can just do that. Mm. Um, but then there's also like you can up the difficulty where you get like hungry very quickly, you get tired very quickly, you have to like forage for things, and that's hard. Um, but I just did normal for everything. I didn't play the baby mode this time and yeah it's just it's very like open so far it's it's just this forest you can you can find mushrooms you can find mulberries you can like pick up wood and sticks and bits and you can upgrade your cabin um i haven't quite got i've gotten really close to an upgrade um i'm not quite there yet you can upgrade it to like add a kitchen where you can cook things uh there's like a crafting room you can make um i think there's one other room i can't remember what it is um but yeah you just you go out in the woods and you find things it's very 
it's very pretty. It's very like it's very stylized. It's not like super realistic graphics or anything. But I posted like a screenshot on my Twitter, and it's just very like all kind of Firewatch. Yeah, style, I was but- gonna say it has a Firewatch vibe. But we Steimer and I were taking a look at some of the gameplay that's available uh, through this trailer. It, it has more of a subdued color palette yeah firewatch has a very like vibrant orange red yellow color palette for a lot of obvious reasons but this one feels a little bit more like pastel-y like greens blues blues. yeah yeah Yeah. it looks really pretty the color palette looks great and it seems like people are enjoying that it's super chill yep it's very chill the music is like very relaxing it's just it's just like a walking in the woods game i don't know um but there there is I mean, it's in early access right now, and I'm interested to see, like, this is a game right now I feel I could play for a couple hours more. Like, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of depth to it yet, but it's so early. I think that there there is some potential there, because as I'm, as I'm walking through the woods, like, it's very wildernessy, but there's, like, places where a tree is just, like, chopped down, but if there's people, if there's not people out here, like, why would a tree be, like, chopped down? Mm. Or there's, there's a spot kind Beavers. of near your cabin where there's, like, this... <laughs> weird metal structure that's like tipped over and then kind of an area of just dirt and a bunch of crates and a bunch of just like bits on the ground like bolts and and wire and man very clearly like man-made things and they're just all over the ground but there's not really an explanation for why they're there and there are no people around and it doesn't seem to be immediately dangerous like you get those supplies and you can use them to upgrade your stuff but like it looks like I can build an axe to open up the crates and some other and like lock picks and things um but it can you it's, use an axe on a bear uh, I haven't met a bear yet. Oh. I will try if I. No, I won't try. I'll run away. <laughs> Just run. Yeah, ru- yeah. Ryan, when we were looking at this the footage, I'm like, the house that you can end up building is like a mini mansion in the woods. <laughs> you can build some things you would not be able to build if it was one person. Um, but I'm like, but if you can build um your mini wood like Lincoln log mansion, why would you not be able to take on a bear? Like you could clearly build. Some sort of weapon that could take it on, in my opinion. <laughs> if you can build an entire house, you should be able to build something else. I mean, yeah, presumably. It's just, I, I don't know. It's very interesting. I'm very interested to see, like, where it ends up going. Um, I, I it, it's, it's running a little bit rough. I mean, I had, like, an okay gaming PC, and it was it was a little bit rough. My, my computer was spitting out some hot air there for a little bit. But <laughs> it's, it's got, like, plenty of time. Um, and I think I think the ability to sort of just turn on all the Zen buttons, the the, the ability to turn off bears is really great. That's good. I like that I can turn the bears off. Yeah. I'm not scared of bears. I knifed a bear to death in Red Dead Redemption. I'm fine. <laughs> she did. I mean, Steimer is is a badass, bona fide. So the team behind this is FJRD Interactive. Fjord. Uh, it says, we're a micro game studio settled in the deep forest away from society. Our goal is to create rich worlds with breathtaking art and immersive gameplay. Currently working on our first game titled Among Trees. And then what are the, the Nordic countries? Where are they? Um, it doesn't say. Like, there's They're very... just like, we live in the woods. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I wonder there's what very could little... have inspired their game. Yeah, I guess so. I'm trying to see here if there's anything else. Oh, Sweden. Sweden. The Forest of okay. Sweden. Yeah, sure. Sweden. Yeah. That makes sense. The there's a lot of trees in Sweden. Up yeah. In yeah. It's also, it doesn't have, except for like the beginning where you select the difficulty and then a couple, like the names of the items, it's very like low on text. It's very visual. Like I think 
I think you could probably play this without like having to read anything really. Mm-hmm. There's like no there's no one to talk to, there's no voice acting, there's no like quests. It's just sort of this romp, not even a romp, it's just sort of a stroll, a gentle stroll in the woods. I want to I want to unlock cooking because I've got a million of these ruby beets and I can't eat them cuz they're beets. I have to cook them to eat them. Oh. Well, well, I did not know that you could not eat a beet raw. It's like eating a potato raw. I think oh, you can technically yeah, you, you can, can technically but... do it, but you aren't probably going to no. have a good time of it. No. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> no. I don't eat a lot of beets, so. No. I enjoy beets. Actually, they are delicious. I think the last I beets I Brittany had. Did. Yeah, I was saying the last beets I had, mm-hmm. I think you introduced me and I actually enjoyed them. Yeah, they're good. I'm a child, Rebecca. Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't like, to, I don't want to try beets. And Andrew's like, honey, just try one bite for me. And I'm like, oh, okay, mom, I will. And I did, and I liked it. Okay. And then I was like, see, beets are so good for you. Beets are good. Yeah, they're pretty good. They are. They're so versatile. And it's okay if you don't like them. But I, I am going to champion beets because they're great. Um, I do want to mention that if you guys are like, hey, this game sounds familiar. Where did I hear about this before? They showed it off during the PC gaming show earlier this year which is like I was trying to place where I'd seen this game. And so it's actually been live on the Epic Game Store in early access for a couple of months now. So if you guys want to check it out, you can head over there. And I guess like is this, how much is it to get into early access? Do you remember? I don't because I got it from Epic. Yeah. Well, there we go. Well, thanks, Epic, for sending the code over. Um, we will take a look. At, I would guess it's probably somewhere between 10 and $20 would be, yeah. I guess. The that Google machine can tell us. They, they could. You know what I could do is I could go <laughs> to the Epic Games Store uh, dot com and check it out, which actually gives me a very good opportunity to let you know if you are a fan of the Epic Games Store and you want to support What's Good Games, we do have a creator code that you can use when you make purchases. And they do specials from time to time where they actually give us a bump in how much of the percentage we get for referrals. So if you're planning to make a purchase on the Epic Games Store, you should use our creator code, What's Good Games. And... That would help support what we do here at the show. But for now, I'm looking up Among Trees on the store. And it is indeed $19.99. All right. Yeah. Cool. And you also have been playing Paper Mario. Brittany talked about the Origami King on the episode last week. Have you been enjoying your time with it? I finished it. Did you finish it? No, I got so turned (gasps) off by the combat that I couldn't No, Yes, I know. How far did you get? How far did you get? Oh, maybe like five hours or so. I loved okay. everything about it. I loved the writing, the charm, the humor. It was so cute, but I hated, hated the combat. So I stopped. Did Okay, so did you get to World 2? I don't even remember. All right. So one thing that I learned after beating the game, apparently, like the, you know, the little mushroom house in Toad Town where you can like go like try out fighting? Apparently, there's a whole bunch of accessibility options, like, in that house or behind that house that basically trivialize combat if you hate it. Oh my I didn't God. find that out until I beat the game. Nintendo, why would you hide that in a exactly. mushroom house that no one's going to visit? It's the that is thing. a weird thing. Why? Yeah, you it's, would think that they would at least you give you a game prompt of, hey, if you want to customize your combat experience, go see Toad over here or whatever. Yeah, like, you walk in and he's like, here, I can teach you how to hit stuff with a hammer. And I'm like, I've been doing that for three hours now. I don't need this. And I left. <laughs> and I never came back. Huh. Dang. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll go back knowing that that's the case. Because you can also give money to the toads and they'll do all the little switcheroonies for you, right? Yeah. I think think one of the options um, 
in the so you, know, you have to like look this up because I never did this. I beat the game, but I think one of the options is basically to turn on a button that basically gives it just does the route for you like every single time automatically. Thank that's and there, what I need. There's another one that will automatically extend the timer for you every time it gets low. You still pay the coins, but it, it just does it without you having to hit the button. That's something that should be available from the get-go. Nintendo yes. have enough self-awareness to know that this weird combat mechanic of yours is not for everyone, and it's so off the beaten path that you know maybe uh, you know don't don't put that in your game. Or if you're going to put it in there, you know, give us the option to get rid of it. (laughs) Make it go far away. (laughs) We don't like what you've done. Undo it. I loved it. I won't spoil it for Brit, but I I loved it a lot. The writing, the writing that you have liked so far, it only gets better. Uh, That game hits kind of its stride in World 2. It starts pulling out just these big, ridiculous set pieces where, like, I'm sitting on my couch and, like, watching this, like, sequence happen, and I just, like, want to applaud at the end of it because they just did, like, some big show-stopping, ridiculous thing, and I'm like, yeah, you did the thing! And, like, it gets weirdly, surprisingly emotional, and, again, I don't want to mess this up in case you decide to go back to it, but there's, like, a point in World... at the beginning of World 3 where something happens and it comes out of nowhere and it like breaks your heart into and i did not see that coming and i don't even know and the ending is really emotional and it's just pretty and i i feel like the combat gets better as it goes on i feel like they give you more reasons to engage with it so i guess Mm. if you hate it maybe that won't be so good but I i know one of the criticisms that i saw of it kind of going in is that um, this whole coin battle system or whatever doesn't give you enough reasons to engage with the combat. Like, you may as well just skip every battle. And I thought that was true for, like, the first third of the game or so. But once I got deeper into it, I started needing coins for things. And uh... it actually mattered. And so I started, like, realizing, oh, I need to actually engage with these systems. And I love I love the original Paper Mario games. I love the idea of them. I haven't... I've played a little bit of Thousand Year Door, but not very much at all. And then I've also played the Mario and Luigi games. And I love the Mario and Luigi games, like the very traditional RPG mm-hmm. stuff. And Alpha Dream shut down, I think, like last year or something. Um, so we're not getting those anymore unless Nintendo gives it to someone else. Um, it, it's clear we're not getting more traditional Paper Marios anymore. So I, I'm bummed out on behalf of the people who missed that. Like, I think that the Mario and Luigi and Paper Mario games, the the traditional RPGs are really good, and it's sad that we're not really going to get anything like that again. But I also think the idea of approaching an RPG and saying, hey, turn-based combat, kind of grindy, other people are doing it, we don't need to do that. How else can we... What else can we do with the idea of combat in a video game? And instead of making it like a fight of some kind, turning it into a puzzle and a very specific kind of puzzle and then iterating on that puzzle continuously over what? I don't even know, like 40 hours? That was a long game. Oh, wow. Um, 30, 30, it might be 30. I might be exaggerating. It, it felt really good. It felt like a good length to me. So yeah, I I liked the combat. I, the writing is great. It's absolutely hilarious. It's like emotional in places I didn't expect it to be. I, I think it's deeply underrated. And I think Nintendo kind of undersold it, honestly. They just sort of threw it out there and they're like, here you go, Paper Mario. Eh. Now, is this the game they announced randomly via Twitter post? Yes. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they did it such a disservice, especially because like Nintendo is so... I don't think they should, I mean, I I don't think people should, like, spoil the end of their game and their trailers, obviously, but they showed so little of it, and they really, I I don't know, it just, Mm. there's a lot there, and I wish it it had gotten sort of a better shot. I'm happy to hear, though, about that Toad House in World 2, because that actually makes me excited to go back, because I No, the Toad House is at the beginning of the game. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's the battle, it's in Toad Town, it's like the battle training center or whatever. I just, I I don't know. There's, like, articles about it. Somebody, like, posted a Kotaku article about it, like, three weeks after the game came out. I'm like, where was this three weeks? (laughs) Because nobody found 
loved it. Nobody had any idea. Oh, that's so good to know because I loved playing it. It was so charming. And I also had the same complaint of that you mentioned where I don't want to fight. I'm like, I don't want I don't care about freaking coins because the stuff's going to – and I didn't like the breakable items and I missed the XP gain. But it's been good to hear you talk about it in that sense because now I know there, there might be hope for me after all because it was so yeah. funny. I laughed so much just in the short time that I did play it. It gets Hilarious. better. It gets even funnier. There's so okay. many dumb puns in that game. Oh, my gosh. I love gosh. that. That's good. Good to know. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of those games that maybe people pick up and play later in the year when they maybe have a lull in their schedule of stuff that they're playing. Because I think those Paper Mario games in general are kind of timeless that they don't really, you know, age badly. Yeah. And so you could probably go back and play it whenever and maybe look for it like on a sale around the holidays or something if people missed it and want to check it out. But um, I loved Thousand Year Door and was excited for this. But then I was watching John play it and the 3d aspects of it and so much more of you know how they kind of adapted the formula i was like "Mm." i was i was with brit that i was like i don't know if this is kind of turning my crank the way i was hoping it to but it's good to hear that you really enjoyed it so i will put it back on my to-do list on my Mm. switch when i can somehow manage to put animal crossing down which we're going to talk about in the next segment no don't worry everybody i'm not going to talk about my antics and animal crossing but i do want to give a thank you and shout out to everybody who came by my birthday stream and brought gifts during my animal crossing yard sale it was very fun i didn't get rid of nearly as many things as i wanted to Maybe you guys just have such extensive libraries of items. You just didn't need any of it. So I just sold it all to Timmy and Tommy. So, um, But uh, thank you again to everybody who did come by. So for games that I have been playing, uh, the Solstice of Heroes started in Destiny 2 this week. And I'm not going to say too much about it because it's really not that different than what they've done in previous Solstice years. They've optimized a couple quality of life things. I'm excited to chase the new glowy armor. I streamed it this week and if you guys want to watch me stream that, of course turn our Twitch channel notifications on twitch.tv slash what's good games. But I did get my first crowns and Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. Which I was very excited about. And Rebecca, you've been playing Fall Guys too. Yes, very briefly, kind of wedged in between the end of Paper Mario and the beginning of Among Trees. I've only played like an hour. I am not, I'm, I am nowhere near the crown. <laughs> it's the great equalizer, though. I feel like that game, it doesn't matter if you're good or not. I mean, there's a no. couple of strats that you can employ, of course, but so much of it is just raw chance. And oh. I kind of like that because it makes it feel that it's competitive, but also not. And so you don't feel as bad when you lose because you're like, well, it wasn't my fault that my team didn't get all the eggs in the basket <laughs> and my team lost. Right. Yeah, it's great. It's it's a game. There, there are several mini games that I loathe. I hate the I hate the egg one. I hate the tail pulling. I hate the slime. Oh, the tail pulling. The no-no thing. zone. But okay. Yes. <laughs> but I love hating them. I love hating them. Like I, I get frustrated. But like, no, I got to do it again. I got to win. Mm-hmm. It feels good. Yeah. Slime Climb was my slime nemesis, climb. but I finally con- I conquered Slime Climb. But that's one of the mini games that is incredibly difficult to control if you're in the back of the pack at the beginning of the race. So as for people who are like, what the heck are you guys even talking about? If you've missed the phenomenon that is the battle royale that is Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, there are 60 little bean characters that look like minions, but they have two little beady eyes. And you can customize them in a variety of ways. And you are essentially are competing in a gauntlet of mini games to be the Fall Guy that makes it to the crown. 
And they're called fall guys because you fall down a lot. <laughs> it's one of the primary mechanics in the game that you just fall over. And essentially, the goal is to just not fall down. But you do. You're going to fall. You're going to fall a lot. There's an achievement that I got for falling, I think, a hundred times in a single <laughs> level. Of course. Um, oh. Which was wild to even me. I was like, I swear I didn't fall that many times, but apparently I did. Um, or maybe it's 10 times? No. 10 seems it was, more reasonable. It seemed like more than 10 times, though. Wow. But I'll have to double check what the achievements are. Or you can you know, look up the trophy list. But it's super fun, and it's a great game to pick up. It's an all-ages game. It's super colorful. The team you know, at Mediatron- or Mediatonic is doing... You know, a great job with kind of kicking out new customizable things. I love their social media team trying to get all of these fast food brands to compete against each other with who's going to get the first like corporate customized skin in the game. (laughs) And some people come in and are like, eh, I don't want corporate skins. And then a friend of mine named Kate was like, I would pay good money to run as a hot Cheeto. And I was like, (gasps) yes. Yes. This is the game for corporate. Like, I feel like there's so many things you could be. I feel like. I think Kaw tweeted this. So like, this is the one game. Oh, is that where, like, Khalif Adams that you're referring yes, to? Yes. Um, I think it was him. Yeah. It's not, exactly. sorry. But um, he's like, this is where the corporate sponsorship should be. Like, it would be ridiculous and stupid and fun. And like, this actually works really well with yes. this game. And I totally agree. Because um, I saw the mock-ups of like Colonel Sanders and I thought it was brilliant. I just, I also like, yeah, go ahead. Put, put ever get your corporate money just fucking yeah. let's go. Yeah, support a small indie team, right? Like this team, you know, is a team I think that people are rooting for because they made such a wholesome game. We talked about it with Elise Willems on the Monday show. when We sh- showed some of these corporate mock-ups that fans are doing and that even some of these corporations marketing teams are doing. They're like, like, please, can we have a piece <laughs> of the pie? <laughs> yeah. The Walmart um, and I, it's, just, it's just great. It's great to see, you know, they sold 2 million copies on Steam. I have to imagine they're in the millions of downloads on PlayStation Plus as well. Hopefully they'll announce those numbers in, in the future. But uh, congrats to that team if you haven't gotten a chance to check it out. No. Fall Guys is tons of fun. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to take our last break of the show. When we come back, we're going to bring your questions to Rebecca Valentine. What are you going to ask her about? Hint, video games and writing about video games. (laughs) Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. What's good, everybody? Welcome back. It's the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. And today we're talking with our special guest from gamesindustry.biz, Rebecca Valentine, and taking your questions. But before we get to that, I want to let you know this segment is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Boy, oh boy, do I love a nice, juicy steak. Steimer, should we make steaks for dinner? Yes. Make some Omaha Steaks for dinner. And when I think about steaks and grilling, I think summer, it's summer right now. Everybody likes hot dogs. They put chicken on the grill, Mm. all kinds of things. And Omaha Steaks has it all. Plus, the best part is that Omaha Steaks is offering a steakhouse grilling package with an exclusive offer just for What's Good Games listeners. So you guys know Omaha Steaks. If you want to take advantage of this fantastic deal, you've got to go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code WGG into the search bar. It's super easy. And this week, Omaha Steaks is going to add four burgers and four gourmet Jumbo Franks to your order. 
That's right. You have to go to omahasteaks.com, type WGG in the search bar. And just for doing that, when you make your order, you're going to get four burgers and four Jumbo Franks added this week. So the package that they are pushing right now for our listeners is called the Grand Summer Grill Out Package. It lets you stay at home and eat like you're at the best steakhouse in town. We're talking Omaha steaks, bacon-wrapped filet mignon, pork chops, chicken, kielbasa, and more delivered right to your door. You don't even need to put pants on, everybody. You get smoky, sweet bacon, fork, tender filet mignon, and all for much less than going out to a restaurant. And again, that pants bit cannot be overlooked. (laughs) Visit OmahaSteaks.com and type in WGG into that search bar to get this package today because Omaha Steaks aren't just steak. They're the best steaks of your life. Guaranteed, in fact. And don't forget, when you order the Grand Summer Grill Out package, you're going to get those four Jumbo Franks and four Omaha Steak Burgers free to complete your steakhouse experience. Visit Omaha steaks.com and type wgg into the search bar to get your shop grill packs today now you guys i i just can't talk enough about how much i love (laughs) omaha steaks like these deals are so good you guys if you like steaks at all Mm. and you like other grilled meats like i can't encourage you enough to take advantage of this offer seriously delicious now i want to go eat but Mm -hmm. i can't not right now because Now we're going to take questions from you for our special guest, Rebecca. I don't mean to be like, but first, but I realized after the show on Monday when Brittany and I were talking with Elise about the new Facebook gaming feud with Apple. Yes, Steimer also made her debut on What's Good Games Live. Steimer. I just always forgotten. (laughs) I know. It's always like me. You're not forgotten, Steimer. Always. Never. 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 We forgot to mention Will Cullum's email. So you guys may remember on last week's episode, we had a reader mail question from Will. And he made a comment saying that I think I'm going to leave my Apple phone behind because of this xCloud business where Microsoft can't put Project xCloud on or Xbox Game Pass on my iOS device. And so we asked Will, would you mind expanding upon why this service would make you leave the iOS ecosystem behind. And so Will wrote us an email, and I would like to read it very quickly. Will writes, Good morning, ladies. This is Will come from Patreon that submitted the question and remark about leaving Apple due to their strict anti-competitive practices, specifically regarding xCloud and Stadia, not being allowed on their marketplace. Apple has done this for years, so this wasn't a shock. But when is enough enough? I have been in the Apple ecosystem for most of my life, and he puts in parentheses 38. I've been a gamer longer. I fully expect something to be worked out, if nothing more, for the U.S. market, which Apple has 47%. But either way, if this isn't resolved, this is now a purchase decision when it is time for me to upgrade or get a new phone or tablet. In parentheses again, the Surface Book is a lot more attractive now. Everyone has a straw, and this one would be mine. Thank you for taking my question and all the, and all the continued content you are making there at WGG. Well, thank you, Will. And we discovered that, Will, you are not alone. Several people came out to show their support for this decision in leaving the iOS ecosystem in the face of what is happening with Apple. But I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because we've been there plenty of times over the last week. Instead, I would like to go to some of your questions 
for Rebecca. And the first one is from Desmond Johnson. My teenage kids want to know who your favorite Animal Crossing villagers are. I think it's more of a generic Mm -hmm. question for all of us, but I know, Rebecca, you've been on a hunt for villagers. And I want to know, too, Desmond, it's okay if you're teenagers and you want Mm -hmm. to know. There's no shame. If you've already answered this question and we missed it, sorry. No worries. Listen, I don't think we've I don't Mm-mm. think we've answered this. I don't question. think so either. I don't think so. So, Rebecca, who are your favorite villagers? Oh, man. It's it's funny with Animal Crossing, right? Because everyone has a soft spot for the villagers that were, like, their first in their first Animal Crossing game. Like, not, they always just, oh, like, touch Animal your heart. Game. I thought you were going to say your first in, the, in that game. I was like, no, not true. I, no. <laughs> the people I ended up with. No, no. I mean, I started on Wild World um, on the DS, and I very specifically remember um, an extremely angry penguin named, oh. I think his name was Hopper. Um, who I love and he's just like furious all the time and his hair his like little feathers are like crazy and he's just he's so cute um, and then this really sweet little goat named Nan and those were like two of my first I don't remember who my third my third one was but those two like have always had a special place in my heart and I haven't seen them yet in New Horizons um, oh no Nan was on my island for a while but oh. then she said that she wanted to leave and go adventure and I said Nan <gasps> I'm not gonna hold you back you can oh, live your I best life I gotten oh. from you oh my gosh no I, 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 I tried know. really hard I didn't know you wanted Nan Rebecca. I didn't really. So I, I tried really hard you not over. to. Oh, oh, I tried really hard not to like be aggressive about trying to find specific villagers because I also think that some of the joy of Animal Crossing is meeting new ones, um, and I really enjoy that. Like I've met a bunch of new villagers this time that I just like love so much. Um, I met like uh, I met Muffy, who's a super goth sheep, and she's oh. she's like so cute and like adorable and and, and like. Just oh, she, she's just great. Um, and I've I've got like all these other ones on my island, but. Um, I did get, so I have all these Nook Miles tickets and there are, I have all these Nook Miles points and nothing to do with them now because I put like 400 hours in this game and I don't need anything anymore. Um, but I, I had a villager leave recently. Um, and I had Zucker leave actually. I know a lot of people like Zucker, but he just did, he wasn't all that exciting for me, even though he was cute. Um, and so I had to fill that spot and I went out, you know, looking for villagers on these Nook Miles islands. And I have like a list of like 20 or so villagers that I'd be like, okay, if I see this one, like that'll be it. I'll just, I'll just take them. And, I found on like my eighth, seventh or eighth try, I found one of my most desired villagers from like the last like three games, Meringue, the like dessert rhino. She is this little pink rhinoceros. Um, she wears like a little like a little cafe apron. Her house is like decorated like a bakery. <gasps> she is adorable. We, we just googled horn. her, and I'm in love. Her, her little rhino horn is a oh. tiny strawberry. Strawberry shortcake rhino. What's she's not to love? So cute. Oh my goodness. And so I just, I mean, she's mine now. She lives on my island and she is just like absolute perfection. I love her so much. She's uh, never going to leave. Not going to let her. Well, no. I also haven't logged into Animal Crossing in a very long time. Um, but I feel like even if I went and found somebody cooler, none of my, nobody wants to leave my shithole island. <laughs> and I like want them to so badly. I, well, I think this- that there's a certain amount of days that you have to wait between. Yeah. Um, villagers leaving, but you have to be lo- you have to be logging in x amount of days. It's not like real world days; it's in game days, yes. right? Like when you're active on your island. Yeah, and you have and to actually have talk to, to them because they walk around like with a thinking expression. You have to talk to them, and then they'll like maybe tell you they're going to leave. There, I have this awful like I don't know. He's like a winter gorilla of some kind named Hans. Huh. Who oh, is, I've seen Hans on other people's islands he's before. He's so pretty. 
contentious. I hate him. But every single time I have any encounter with him, he never wants to leave. He's just like, I'm so glad that I moved here to become best friends with you. And I'm like, I don't like you. Get out. Yeah, he's like an abominable snowman almost. Yeah. He, does look, he looks very much like the abominable snowman. Leave so I can invite Nan. Yeah, I, I absolutely understand like this dislike of characters. That's how I felt when Boris moved to my island. <laughs> He's a, a kind of a grumpy pig that has like a super deep voice and is always like, and I'm like, Boris, why are you always just in a bad mood? And so I just kind of avoided him for a while. But then he wrote me a message that was like, hey, kiddo, I'm sorry that I'm kind of a grump sometimes, but know that I'm always rooting for you and I hope we can be friends. And I was like, Boris, no, I'm sorry. Ignored you. I still run away from almost all of my villagers. They come try to talk to me and I run away from yeah. them. I had that really scary five minutes at Freddy's looking there. Rebecca Space. That's why nobody's moving away because you have to talk to them to get them to move away. But I want them to feel feel isolated and alone. What is wrong with hatred from me? You're missing the spirit of Animal Crossing. Oh my goodness. I I want cuter villagers. Sorry. Like the people that I really liked are all people that Goldfarb got on his island. So, oh, wow. um, uh, Andrew Goldfarb of uh, Sucker Punch. Yes, Ugh. he had this really cute wolf guy named Fang, yeah, and he like would just sit around and read. And I was like, "You're my, yeah, just be my friend." Well, I mean, there's a lot of villagers that you can get from the amiibo cards now, which is which is good. You can also go hunting for them. You can get some villagers on websites and. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get them. But Brittany, you were about to say something. Oh, no. The only one I had that I didn't like was that creepy Five Nights at Freddy's bear. It looks like that. Oh, anyway. yeah. It was so what scary. is that bear's name? I don't remember her name. But what's so creepy about it is I was I would only play at night because that's what I did before bed. And she'd always be walking on top of the like the top of the screen where it looks kind of rounded. So all I could see was this creepy ass silhouette of this possessed looking bear like lurking around my island. And I said, nope. Like, I literally stopped playing when I, cause it gave me flashbacks of Five Nights at Freddy's. And I was like, I can't do this. And I can't play it. And whenever I saw her, I would run the opposite direction. Kind of like, <laughs> but she still, I think, exists. I don't know. I haven't logged in in months. So I don't know. Hopefully she's gone. They don't leave without you. Without you saying yeah, that. They, they can't, yeah, they can't just leave the island without They're you. They're trapped there she's forever. She's still there. Oh, God. Ugh. It makes me clench yes. just thinking about it. She's still lurking. You know, she's watching you. Yeah. My (laughs) very first villager, since this was my very first Animal Crossing, was Agnes the pig. And she's super sweet. So she's a big sister type in the game. It also took me about 200 hours of playing to discover that there are types of villagers. Didn't understand that. Um, But it makes sense. (laughs) But she's great. And I really love her. And my other OG coach actually just asked to leave yesterday. And I said, Coach, normally I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I didn't want you to go. But. He did admit that his house was getting just too messy, and he's like, it's, e- it's easier if I just go. It's easier if I just pick up everything and move as I'm trying to clean my house. I was like, kosher house is a hot mess. Because at the very beginning of the game, I didn't know that there were, like, specific types of gifts that you should give your villagers, and so I was just giving them just, like, random things. And so he's got, like, a hose reel and a weird inflatable sofa and, like, a, like a praying mantis all, like, inside of I didn't mean to. I didn't know any better. He's like, now that my house belongs on hoarders, I must leave. Yeah, now there's like, a like, praying mantis me. in my house. It's like a <laughs> yeah, huge move yeah. to just be like, you know what? I don't really feel like cleaning, so I'm just going to move. Yep. So I don't have to yep. clean. Oh, I so mean, he, he represents some of us. I, I mean, I feel you, Coach. Strong. I get it. Um, but I did get Raymond. He was like my fourth or fifth 
villager and this was way before i discovered like all the like the deep online communities of of animal crossing and realizing that apparently he was worth like lots and lots of bells and people were like oh my god you have raymond and i was like yeah he's he's a cool cat why and they're like he's impossible to get and i was like i don't know he just showed up one day <laughs> <laughs> the cat just showed up as they do yeah but um he's fun um but yeah there's a lot of really cool characters i'm i'm excited to meet more i really love looking at the way that they design and customize their houses and all of the different ways they put furniture together i do wish they would allow you to catalog all the furniture of the villagers that move in i kind of feel it's a little egregious that they move in they're living on your island rent free they can't even be bothered to donate to the bridges and the inclines that i'm building all the time and they won't even let me catalog their furniture like what the hell anywho don't get me started i shouldn't talk more about animal crossing this will be the rest of the segment we have lots of more questions for you rebecca like this one from groovy muse do you have any advice on how to start freelancing in games journalism i have a degree in journalism but i don't have much experience covering video games thank you i enjoy all the work you do thanks that's nice uh it's man it's hard um games journalism is a super it's a super small field. Um, there are not a lot of full-time jobs. Um, you you have to be good, but you all, there are a lot of people who are very good, and so you also have to be very lucky. Um, it has to be like the right time, and you just, it's so hard. For freelancing, there are ways to get started. The thing that I would suggest is you, you want to have some kind of portfolio. So you said you have a degree in journalism. If you're already working in something that's kind of gaming adjacent, like entertainment or tech, um, something close to that and you're already like doing journalism and have published work out there, then that might be enough to sort of like start going to websites that are looking for pitches and start pitching them at their emails to send them, you know, ideas for stories that you want to do. Um, there's lots of advice out there about how to pitch, but if you already kind of have that portfolio, then that's one way to do it. Um, if you don't have a portfolio that's close to games or just don't have any writing out there, um, the best suggestion I actually have is to start like start like a medium blog or a WordPress blog of your own and just start writing about games. Do the kind of writing that you want to do out there. There are, there are websites that are out there that will prey on new games writers that will try to get you to do a lot of work for them for free. Um, and there's small sites that can't pay you very much and that's fine. Like they're trying, they're getting by on Patreons, like they're doing their best, but there's also a lot of like bigger sites out there that will ask for volunteer writers or for writers at like very low rates and you get your portfolio out there, but you don't get paid and they can afford to pay or afford to pay you. And so at that point, it's honestly better just to have your own little blog where you're writing about the things that you want to write about. Um, and then when you go to pitch to websites that are out there looking for pitches, then you already have a portfolio to show them and you can show them, hey, this is what my writing looks like. Um, in terms of figuring out where to pitch, um, again, like it's kind of hard. I would recommend following the websites that you like to read that you want to um, eventually pitch articles to. Follow them on Twitter, follow them on social media, and then follow their editors on social media as well, the people who you would presumably pitch to. Um, the best way to sort of find out that websites are accepting articles is to watch them on social media and wait for them to ask. Um, usually, like a lot of places like Polygon and PC Gamer and IGN um, and GameSpot and places like that will put out tweets every so often, especially when there's a big game that's just come out. Like, they've done stuff on Fortnite, um, but they'll, they'll be like, hey, we're looking for people to write about X. Here's the email you send it to. Here's a link to our pitching guidelines. Um, and then once you kind of already know where to send pitches because you've seen something like that, then you can do it again in the future and you already have have kind of that connection and know how to do it. Um, so that's 
that's kind of like the very broad, like general advice I have. It it is hard. It is really competitive. Um, I think like the last thing I would say is if you can find re- read read a lot of games writing, read lots and lots of games writing, read lots of different types of it. Um, read criticism, read journalism, read uh, features, read read lots of types of games writing, and then also read lots of things that are not games writing. Um, that's how you get better at what you do. Um, and the more different kinds of things that you read, the better you will get at the kinds of things that you want to write. That was all fantastic advice. (laughs) Yeah. Certainly something I would have said almost word for word. Rebecca, (laughs) that was fantastic. Um, I would just like piggyback to say that if you have a specialty, like if you have a beat that you should lean into it. Like if you love esports, for example, or if you're really big specifically into farming sims, or if you like this one developer, you know, if you're going to start your blog, make sure to include some of those pieces as well, because more and more now we're seeing segmentation happen instead of just general coverage. Because as Rebecca said, there are very few jobs that are available for full-time writers. And so freelancers generally get picked up for more of those fringe jobs that are specialty. Like, um, I can't, well, I can't say what game we were playing this week, but I was playing a game this week that Hmm. I'm going to be able to talk about next week. And it's a game that has some writers that are devoted to this particular franchise and getting to talk to some of those writers was really helpful for me as somebody who likes this game but doesn't follow this game religiously and those jobs are available it's particularly more in the freelance field Mm -hmm. and so i would look at games like that i think live service games in particular are some of those better games to look for as well so if there's like a live service game that you like following uh maybe look at becoming you know a beat writer for that as well yeah that's really um, in demand Great question, Groovy Muse. Uh, Next question is from Lauren. Now, this question is for indie queen Rebecca. (laughs) It seems the games media often piles onto big prestige AAA releases like Ghost of Tsushima or The Last of Us Part 2, but indie game coverage is often really spotty, or the game's trailers or releases get mentioned, but the games themselves never really played or discussed. What do you think would help the media give more indie games a chance, and do you think the situation is at least better now than it was five or so years ago? Oh, man. I'm going to be a downer. <laughs> it's it's so hard. Honestly, this like the singular answer for what would help get, um, at least on the journalism side, what would get more indie games coverage is websites need more money. Like, that's literally it. Like, it's like easy to drag on websites for, oh, that thing they did was clickbait. But like, literally, we need clicks to survive. Um, websites yes. that do games writing yes. don't exist unless people click on their articles and get ad revenue. It just doesn't happen. And the fact is that, like... While, yes, if you discover an indie gem and happen to write about it, it will get clicks and people will find it interesting. It will never, ever get as many clicks as an article, as as a guide to how to find X thing in The Last of Us Part 2 will. Like, that is just the reality of it. And... The st- this is like a whole like big topic I just ran about all day, but like the state of media in general and the state of games journalism specifically is such that there is just like no money in it and budgets are like getting cut all over the place. COVID is not helping. Um, and so when you have like not a whole lot of writers and not a whole lot of time and not a whole lot of money to pay those writers, then you end up 
basically only honing in on the coverage that you have the time and energy to do. And that's going to be the coverage that's going to keep your site alive. Now, there's a lot of good sites that are trying to do as much indie coverage as possible. Um, like like Andrea actually mentioned in the last thing, if you can, there are some indie games that are sort of coming up, like Stardew Valley is a big one. Fall Guys, I suspect, is going to be one um, that are going to sort of attract people to write on those beats for longer periods of time. Um, and that's really good. But there's a lot of games out there that just never get discovered in that way. And I, I don't think it's better than it was five or so years ago because there's just less money in journalism and it's harder. But I do think that the rise of streamers and video video people and just content creation in general is getting better and is helping indies. Um, and I... I want to like I want to advocate for written journalism because I I want us to be able to do more of that and we should and that's super good and important but I think that getting an indie game discovered is easier if you can like connect with streamers now than it is because there's more value I'm I'm not a streamer personally but my understanding is that there's more value for streamers in finding games that not necessarily other people are talking about um because they can kind of like find sort of a corner to like fit into um and so there's there's like an opportunity there I guess. I mean that's again like a whole big broad yeah. thing but yeah. yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. And I think like the thing when it comes to streamers and why indies are becoming a bigger thing is because you have these streamers who are streaming full time, right? We're talking mm-hmm. six days a week, usually sometimes five, but usually anywhere from six to eight hours at a clip or more. That's a lot of content to fill. And if you're not, you know, playing games that take hours and hours and hours, like a Dota 2, for example, you know, you're going to need games. You're going to run out of stuff to play. You can't just keep going back into your backlog. Your audience that keeps coming back wants to see new stuff. Now, they do need to chase the trends for what's big on Twitch or what's big on YouTube gaming, Facebook gaming, whatever platform they're on. But sometimes they're like, I want to try something new. And that's where indies can really fill that gap to say like, hey, it's a random Tuesday afternoon. I want to play something before my like raid crew gets on later. Why don't I just pop into this indie game for an hour or two? And I think discoverability in that sense is really great. But I I couldn't agree with you more that while I want to say it's better than it was five years ago, it is absolutely worse. And part of that is not only that games journalism is becoming increasingly defunded, which I'm glad you called attention to, but also there are way more indie games coming out than there ever have been before because the publishing tools are so much more accessible and it's impossible, literally impossible to keep up. When What's Good Games goes to a show like PAX, for example, you know, we get added to a press list and then we just get flooded with emails for games that are coming out that we've never heard of from teams that we don't know. And it's impossible to respond to everybody and to play everything. And that's just the reality of the situation. And it's tough because you want to be able to find those gems. But as she said, you got to, to a certain extent, chase the clicks a little bit and hopefully Mm -hmm. find some balance. When I started at IGN, we reviewed every single game that came out in a month. Yikes. Oh my God. We reviewed everything. Obviously this was a very long time ago. Um, but so yeah, that was just to the point of like, it has changed a lot and obviously they do not do that anymore because both to your point and to Rebecca's point, there's less funding for it. And so you need to maximize the amount of work you're doing for the clicks. And then, um, the thing, Oh, there's just too many of them now. Like you just, yeah. they're, you would need such a big staff in order to make that happen. It would it'd just be yeah. impossible. The most yeah. common email that I get, like just just like in terms of like category of press release, is "Hey, we're launching our we're launching our Kickstarter, our indie Kickstarter today. Can you cover it?" Ugh. And 
I yes. can't. I am so sorry. There are so many of you. I cannot. Yes. And like, you might not get fun. I, I know the reason why you're reaching out to me is because you want me to cover it so you can get more attention on your Kickstarter so that it will get funded. But literally everyone else is doing the same thing at the exact same time as you. And like, I do not have time to like, no one has time to like sift through every single one of these and figure out, okay, right, like which ones of these mm-hmm. do we need? It's, it's so hard. It's we so get those hard. And I feel too. for them. I feel so yeah. bad. I feel so bad, too, because we get those a lot, too, and you want to see these hopes and dreams come to reality and come I do, to fruition. I do. Right? But remember that time where everyone was covering Kickstarter? Because what was it? Was it co- What game was it? That was a co- was Double a co- Finds. Double uh, Finds. Was it Costume yeah. Quest? No, it's not Costume Quest. It was uh, the one with Elijah Wood, and I'm blanking on the Whatever name. Whatever it was. Or Broken Age? Broken Age? Broken Bro- Age? A- I don't yes. know. Hold on, I'm looking it up. To the Google machine. To the what? Google machine. But yeah, there was a time when I think covering, and I mean, certain Kickstarters I am very excited to still talk about, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It's a bummer. Broken deal. Age was the second one, maybe. No, there was two points. It's the same game. Yeah. Ah, uh, small team. Mm. Double. Oh, yeah, no, Broken bro, It was Broken yeah. Age, 2013. Oh, wow. Yes. It also makes me miss, like, PAXs and stuff, because that was where I would go, and I would go to, like, the Indie Mega booth, which is now on hiatus, and, like, the Indie Mini mini booth, even, and see, like, these, like, little games that, like, I probably never would have got, like, I probably got an email about it somewhere, but, like, I might not have, like, really paid attention to it before, and I could just walk around and see, like, these little glimpses of gameplay, and I end up picking up, like, 20 new indie games that I never would have heard of otherwise, just from sort of walking around and playing little bits of things. Mm -hmm. Some of the best co-op games that I've played with my husband, Jason, have have been indie games like that that you do see like right now we're playing heroes of hammer watch which is fucking phenomenal cool. and playing hammer watch and playing oh there's a few i'm blanking on all the names i have a memory memory like simer today but there's some really really good ones out there and wow you know that love you baby girl. under the bus <laughs> what else is just leave simer you wound me but anyway i digress i forgot where i was going with that we were talking about Heroes of Hammerwatch and playing co-op indie games and how some of the best games you play co-op with your husband are your indies. Perfect. Yeah. Put a period on period it. Period. Move on. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, I do want to tie this into the final question, which is from Moon. It says, hi, ladies. Hi, Rebecca. Super looking forward to hearing from Rebecca on the show. My question, every time I get into games like Tilu or Ghost of Tsushima, everyone, everyone's calling out Sony today. I find them surprisingly conservative, and I always find myself bouncing back to the creativity of indie games. What are some of the recent indie games you wish the AAA industry took some lessons from in terms of pushing the medium forward? Oh man, going. I mean, going back to like thinking about games I played at like Indie Mega Booth and Indie Mini Booth. It's hard, right? Because if you're gonna, if people are gonna invest like you know millions of dollars into making you know this big AAA game, they don't want to take risks. Like your investors don't want you to take risks. They know that like this act, this very typical like action RPG or shooter formula like works, and they're not going to take risks. And so that's why we're just gonna see the same thing over and over with maybe like one like tiny little risk like stuck in over here. Probably Nintendo did it or something. Um, so like there's so much more room in indies. I think the thing that I think back to when I look at indies is like I look at I look at the verbs. Like what is the thing that I am doing in the game? And and it is so much more interesting when that verb is not run, jump, and shoot or stab, um, which is not like which is not like to like slam on violence in games necessarily. Because like I, I play mostly peaceful games, but like I play I play games where like you like shoot people or whatever too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I love games where the verb is something interesting. So there's a game I played at the Indie Mini Booth um, at PAX East before everything shut down. It was called Evergreen Blues, and it is this little game where there's just these two little characters sitting on stage and. It's just them singing. 
And I have no idea. There's, there's like probably the, there's like this whole thing about how they like did the music, but you basically just choose the lyrics that they sing as they go with like the keys on the keyboard, and you like basically bring them into a duet together, and that's the game. It's just these two characters singing, and you can make their songs sad or hopeful or whatever. But that's the game, and it's like there's I think there's like five or six songs in the whole game. It's not very much. It's not very long, but it's I think it's free too. But it's like incredible. It's just like. Why? Who would thought of this? Like, why? This is not something I ever would have thought would be a game. Just making these two little characters sing to each other and sing about love and loss and all these things. And it's so lovely. And like, like I don't know. I wish I wish we were doing more weird verbs. I wish like East Shade was my game of the year last year, and the verb in that game is paint. You just paint landscapes. That's what you do, and it's like great, and it feels so good. And I. I don't know. I want I want more games with weirder verbs, with things to do that are not like the like four or five conventional things that we do in every single other video game. And I think I think that's like where I look at indie games and try to figure out, okay, like what what here is what here is the thing that I really want to pay attention to? What can I do in this world that I can't do in like any other video game world? That's really cool. It reminds me of a game I played at the Control-Alt-Delete booth at GDC, which is always one of my favorite booths at GDC, which is literally impossible to do virtually because it focuses on Mm -hmm. unconventional types of controllers. Oh, yeah. But there was a game called Butt Sniffing Pugs. I don't know if you (laughs) ever played that. And it had, it literally had like a a fuzzy stuffed pug butt, like by this like um, (gasps) custom... Fight. It wasn't quite a fight stick, but it had buttons. But yeah, there was a point where you had to like put your face like into the stuffed animal butt. Oh my god! It was so weird, but it was like so stupid and fun that I was like, "How can you not walk away laughing from playing this game called Butt Sniffing Bugs?" Oh my god! <laughs> you know, so I appreciate uh, I appreciate the wacky and weird. It's it's tough though. I'm like, yeah. you know, the risk taking is the tough part, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need you yeah. need to like balance. You need to be able to like get your game funded, right? Like you need money to make a game, and if it's too risky, then people who can give you money are going to be like, "Ah, eh, it's not going to make us any money." So you kind of need there, there's inherently like some level of either trust that has to already be built. Like maybe you've shipped like a couple really good games already, and so people are more like, "Oh, we know you. You've already done good work. We'll give you money." Or you have to be basically entirely self funded to do just really wild out there shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh, there you go. Hopefully, more publishers will take more risks. That's why I do really appreciate what Epic has done. I know a lot of people yes. harped on me back when Epic Game Store became a thing. Everyone was very mad at Epic, but you know what they're doing is supporting publishers, supporting developers, supporting indies. And if you're looking for some, you know, weird experiences, Epic Game Store. Rebecca, I want to ask you real quick about this little project I saw on your Twitter account called the Cozy Wood Kitchenette. You describe it as an upcoming comfy podcast that combines video game-inspired recipe cook-alongs and conversations with the people who make and love games coming this fall. Yeah, that is incredible. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, if you know if you know anything I do on Twitter, you know that I somehow somehow ended up in this weird hobby of cooking through video game-inspired cookbooks. Um, I've already cooked through the entire World of Warcraft cookbook. I did the Elder Scrolls last year. Um, I'm actually doing the Mother's Cookbook right now. <gasps> actually, I have it sitting right here. Girl, um, yes! My PDF printout of it. Um, yes. I only have five recipes left, and they're really hard. They're like The last one is making like hand-pulled cotton candy. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so I've done these. I have the Legends Cookbook for Legend of Zelda over there waiting for me when I'm done. But I like have just stumbled into this world of video game food, and I love it so much. And I like... 
I'm not good at coming up with recipes on my own. Like, I'm not a creative chef, but I I like food, I like video games, and I like talking to people about those two things. So um, it's I'm aiming for October. I don't know exactly if it's going to pan out because I have a lot of prep to do. But the plan is um, to do Cozy Wood Kitchenette. I'm probably going to release an episode every two weeks. And it's just, it's just going to be audio. It's not a video show. I'm not, like, showing you how to make it. But the idea is, like, kind of a almost Bob Rossian style, like walkthrough of a recipe of some kind that has some association with a video game. So it might be something out of a cookbook. It might be just, I'm going to teach you how to make bread. And we're going to talk about bread making in this one video game where there's somebody making bread or something like that. And that's what it's going to be. It's going to be like really chill. I'm going to make it with you. Um, We're going to take the whole time to make it. So I'm going to talk you through the ingredients and the recipe. But as I'm cooking, you know, there's times where like I'm going to be stirring or we're going to be waiting for something to heat up and you don't just want to sit there in silence. So during those breaks, um, I'm going to talk with either developers on the games that are associated with the food that we're talking about or uh, people who are in the games community who are really excited and passionate about that game or people who are very skilled and knowledgeable about making that food who can talk about, okay, here's this like food that has a correlation in the real world. What does that say about the game that we're talking about? Um, So I've got like, I've got some ideas. I've got some people that I want to pitch um, for guests early on, but the idea is just like 45 minutes to an hour um, every two weeks, you get a recipe, you get an association with a video game, and you get a chat with somebody who cares about that food or that game. That's so, fucking yeah. awesome. That sounds amazing. When you are ready to do the Destiny cookbook, you give me a call. Let me know. <laughs> I've got it. I'm planning to do some of the cocktails in, in that cookbook, mm-hmm. but if you want to make some of those recipes, let me know. Shout out to Victoria it. Rosenthal. She's really good. Yeah, you, that uh, cookbook is a phenomenal. Wrap like, up those mother recipes. Hello. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm there. They're good. I'm here. They're so good. It's been really... I've learned a lot from this cookbook. Like, it taught me how to make good burgers. I never knew... I didn't know making good burgers was this easy. Apparently it is. But, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> well, that's awesome. It's, it's cool all about idea. how you form those patties. Yeah. You know? Got to do them the right way. Oh, Stick yeah. some cheese in there. Oh, yeah, man. cheese. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of What's Good Games. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And thank you to everybody who sent in questions. If people want to follow you, if they want to follow what you're writing, where are the best places for people to do that? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Duck Valentine. You can find, um, if you want to hang around in October and listen to some food podcasts, you can follow that at Cozywood Kitchen. I think that's right, actually. I haven't had to plug that before, so now I'm suddenly worried that I got it wrong. Is that right? Someone know? Cozy Wood yeah. Kitchen. Yeah, Cozy, Cozy Wood Kitchen. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, and then you can find my work. Um, I write about the business of video games at gamesindustry.biz. All right. We will have all of those links for you, of course, in the show notes as per usual. And thank you so much again for joining us. And we will be back next week on Monday with What's Good Games Live. We'll see you later, everybody. Bye. Bye.